0: Access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at Patreon.com slash Rebel Force Radio.
3: I have to break tradition a little bit here and ask Jimmy Mack if he still has the Mace Windu Hasbro prototype action figure that
2: you scored at the last celebration. You still have that? What do you think I did? Do you think I did something with it? No, of course I have it. It's in my collection. And uh, something tells me you have something some information about it you want to lay on me? Why are you just randomly
3: bringing it up? Well, I, I just want to make sure that you, you hold on to it because apparently these prototypes, can they can fetch some big, big bucks like this. The uh, 1980s master model of the Bib Fortuna action figure went for 36,000 pounds at an auction. Think of that, 36,000 pounds. I don't even know how many American dollars that is. But it's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of pounds. Yeah. And uh, that's not all. There was a low gray action figure that fetched 12,000 pounds. And an emperor's royal guard reached 28,800 pounds. This was all an auction uh, over in the, uh, in the UK. These were models that were produced by Kenner and then um, sent over to uh, Palatoy. Right. So that's where that's, that's who did the distribution. And I think some of the production. Yeah. The actual production of the toys as they were sold in Europe. Uh, for those of you who don't know, but that's, a, that is a lot of money for a prototype. So I'm just making sure, even though that Mace Windu prototype is an original, that about, I don't know, 10,000. 000- <laughs> different Star Wars collectors
2: seem to have in their collection. It's a very rare prototype. <laughs> yeah, I know. We saw a few of them at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. We sure did. And I don't think it's a one-of-a-kind. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, here's, here's, here's the funny thing about being a collector, is, uh, you know, sometimes the rules are, there ain't no rules. Yeah. And I spotted this Mace Windu... Power of the Force prototype, Power of the Force two, I should say, the modern line. Uh, actually, actually, I think it would be uh, Episode one. That was its own line, wasn't it? And uh, so it was an Episode one Mace Windu, and I saw it there on the floor at Star Wars Celebration Orlando, and had to have it. Yeah. One hundred and fifty bucks for an action figure. <laughs> I have to have it. I just loved it. It was it was really cool. It was like a Kind of this was, interesting mace Windu that resembled our friend Sheldon Norton in so many ways. Yeah, he was pink. I mean, the figure is pink, right? And and, bald. and so in bald and Sheldon Norton is also pink and bald, and right? Canadian and, and Canadian. I had a feeling this action figure was Canadian too. Well, it, it kind of like, looked, you know, way. it was like made in some Canadian's basement by the thousands. <laughs> because, you know, I showed it to Ann Newman. And Ann Newman is the collections manager at Rancho Obi-Wan and one of my best friends in the world, quite honestly. And I showed it to her, and Ann always cuts to the chase with me. She never messes around. She never sugarcoats anything. She looked at it, and she goes, think it's real? (laughs) And just kind of gave me that look like, (laughs) like she knew. The answer, Uh but wasn't going to tell me. She wanted me to figure it out for myself. Right. I think her next question was, why would you buy
3: this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you figure, okay, prototype, uh, there's not going to be, uh, there could certainly be more than one, right? You, You would stand to reason that there could be a couple. But I mean, I'm not kidding you. I mean, just about every one of those booths it I'm Star Wars celebrating. Well, no, the, you know, the on. ones... No, not every booth. What I'm saying is the ones that purport to have the high-end stuff, you know, the ones with the glass cases, yeah. and you're seeing some stuff that may or may not have been actually used in the filming of one of the movies, you know. There's always a little shelf that has some of these prototypes, these, like, you know, one-colored... They look like they're made out of crayon wax almost. Yeah. And um, inevitably... There's a Mace Windu episode one figure in
2: there. There's, yeah, there the is the pink one with the black cloak and the yeah the clear the clear saber. That's right. It had the clear no. saber. So you can imagine me with so I got some money to burn in my pocket. I see an action figure that looks like Sheldon Norton, <laughs> and he's holding a clear lightsaber. I just melted and I go, you know, here's my money, take it. So Anne asks me, she says, why did you buy it? And my answer seemed. Good enough to satisfy Anne, mm-hmm. and it, I said, um, "Well, I just, I, I like it. it. It's cool. I, it, it looks cool. I like it." And she goes, "Good enough. Then it's worth whatever you want it to be worth." Yep. yep. But yeah, she was she was far from confirming the actual legitimacy. <laughs> Of the item itself, I'm sure if I showed it to a Gus Lopez or a uh, Duncan Jenkins, they would uh, just look at that and start laughing at me. Oh, those guys have written whole books on prototypes. I mean, I know, yeah, they've and literally it, I mean, written the book on Star
3: Wars prototypes. But you know, Steve Sansweet himself said one time that you know, what's what's this worth? It's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. That's what it's worth. And in the case. Of the Sheldon Norton slash Mace Windu bootleg
2: prototype figure, mm-hmm. at that moment it was worth 150 bucks. It was just because Sheldon was there, and then I could hold the action figure up next to him, and it really the re- the resemblance was—I mean, it was uncanny. Oh, it, it really was.
3: Just was. It looked more like Sheldon than it did uh, Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson. But anyway, so that, that's that's a pretty impressive haul for whoever got those. Now. Um, these particular prototypes from back in the day, they were actually sculpted at a larger scale because you know they had to allow for um, <clears throat> you know shrinkage when they yes. when they reproduced them. But anyway, that's a lot of money. So, so thirty six thousand for bib Fortuna, twelve thousand for uh, uh Low Grey, and another twenty-eight thousand for the Emperor's Royal Guard. By the way, they're all sans soft goods. So, you know, when they were doing the original sculpting, they didn't have, you know, like the cloak for Bib Fortuna or the cape for the Imperial Royal Guard, not even the uh, mushy, rubbery hood for low Gray. So it didn't even come with accessories and still fetch that kind of money. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. But anyway, you're here for the best in Star Wars talk. Rebel Force Radio, this week's show, Friday, May 3rd, 2019. So glad to be back in the cockpit of uh, the first regular rebel force radio since the big celebration in Chicago. And if you missed out on that, we've got a number of shows that have been released recently. So make sure you check those out. Most recently, the uh, live show from Reggie's, which was a blast. You can listen to that. Also our Lulu show is available and um, we did a fantastic, if I do say so myself. And I say that because uh, I was obviously supported by Jimmy Mack and our pal, Paul Bateman, a great, um, Teardown, and I don't mean that in a bad way, a, a dissection, uh, a, a total review of all of the footage that was shown of the upcoming Disney Plus exclusive series, The Mandalorian. We go through that panel with Jon Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni and review the footage that was not shown to the streaming audience it was exclusive to those that were in the uh, in the auditorium but we had our ways and we were able to make sure that uh, paul got to see that and we just broke it all down with paul and it was a lot of fun to hear the enthusiasm for star wars uh, in uh, in paul bateman so check that out uh what else do we got going on the on the feed well we've got uh we've got i know what we have we've got uh the YouTube channel, the Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel, which is just constantly brimming with content. And this is, by the way, the May the 4th weekend. This is Duchess Satine of Mandalore. On behalf of my people, may the 4th be with you always. But we haven't talked about everything that happened at Celebration. It was a whirlwind. Of five days there in downtown Chicago, we didn't talk about how my flight got canceled. We Which didn't... was,
2: <laughs> let me tell you something, man. Wow, what what a, the, the force works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? Yeah, what a what a gift uh, to have you there for the entire run of the convention. You were supposed to bail on Sunday night, and as it turned out, Sunday night was. The wildest and craziest night for me and our crew and you and everyone. And that wouldn't have happened if you left and caught that flight, but you got snowed in. how, How do you get snowed in in April when the day before it was like sunny and 60? Yeah. Well, in the Chicago area in the month of April, you're dealing with a tug of war between two seasons. And all you can do is just be a spectator and try to stay out of the way. (laughs) Because that is an epic battle on a scale much larger than anything Thanos can bring to the planet Earth. Let me tell you. Yeah. So, uh, everyone got a good taste of that. The schizophrenic weather that happens in April in Chicago. I'm so happy I was able to share that with so many Star Wars fans who sometimes wonder, why is Jimmy Max so grumpy this week on the show? Hey, now you know!
3: Now you, now know. you know! And it wasn't just me. I mean, there were a number of people. You know, when you have a convention straddle a weekend like that where it goes into the following week... You know, into Monday, a lot of us were planning to leave Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Yeah, well, the force had other plans. None of us did. Uh Glenn Nelson, our pal Glenn, he was uh, he was stranded for another day. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, and it turned out to, it did. I mean, at the time, you know, because you're all like you're packed, you're ready to go, you're in the mindset. Okay, I got a couple more hours, and then I'm gonna get on the in the taxi and go. And so it's it's an adjustment, but it. it once I accepted the fact that there I was going to be for another day, I was, I was totally fine. I was fine. But it was, yeah. it was an adjustment. So we didn't tell you about that until just now. Um, we also didn't tell you about a, uh, an encounter that I had, which was just so much fun. It was, uh, this was, I think, Saturday. When was the Clone Wars panel? Was that
2: Saturday or was that Sunday? That was Saturday. I think that was Sunday. Oh, it no, was the Sunday. The Clone Wars panel was Sunday so yeah. it wasn 't
3: too long. We after- were
2: going to attend it, but we, we put it off uh, because you had to reschedule your flight you know, that 's when it oh all
3: yeah that 's right. yes
2: and yes. so I was hanging out with the mando mashups over at the uh, bar car there the bar cart, and uh, we were having a good old time while you were on the phone and uh, dealing with all that with Glenn right next to you. And uh, you guys were both struggling to uh, get your uh, you-know-what together. And so uh, we were getting it on over there with the uh, Mando mashups. Those guys are always a blast. So uh, you had time then to handle all of your travel arrangements. But unfortunately, we missed the Clone Wars panel. And if, if there was a panel we should have been it should have been the Clone Wars panel. So I hope later in the show we'll have time to go through that trailer that debuted, that Season 7 Clone Wars trailer, and uh, take it shot by shot and uh, tell you what we see in all of that action and what we think is going to be happening here in Season 7 of the Clone Wars.
3: Yeah, we haven't had a chance to break that down. We will hopefully this week. Uh, if not, we'll get to it. We've got uh, all the way until November when that debuts. So we didn't tell you about that. We also didn't tell you about how I was on the floor of the uh, of the convention there, right in the the, the dealer room, the main uh, exhibition hall, and uh, minding my own business, you know, <laughs> keeping a low profile, looking for doing? some things. Well, I was just, you know, I was looking to spend some money.
2: Yeah, so you're shopping.
3: I, I, yes, uh, I was shopping, and I um, had a. Um, one of our one of our listeners here... Hold on one second. Let me see if I can pull this up. Um, where was this guy? Because he wrote in uh, ba, 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 July... No,
2: he wrote... Maybe he just wrote me. Hold on one second. Um, we have been getting a lot of correspondence lately in the wake of Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And uh, between going through all that and all the content that we gathered and created during that week we are a little bit behind in responding to some of our emails so you know be patient and uh keep sending in all of your cool uh correspondence to us at show at rebelforceradio.com so i'm, around, I'm,
3: I'm walking around the exhibition hall with uh rebel force radio listener andy nadeau and uh, andy's been listening to us for a, a good while now and so we were just chatting and I was just kind of giving an idea of what I might be looking for. And all of a sudden, uh, I, I, I feel this arm around me. And at first, I thought it was this Andy guy. And I'm like, I just met you. Like, this is a little fresh. <laughs> and, 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 um, and, and so the, the fingers on the arm are kind of like, 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 like tickling me a little bit, you know, on my, on my shoulder. I'm like, all right, that's it. And I turn around, and I'm staring <laughs> face into a TIE fighter helmet. Oh. So it's a dude. He's in all black, like black shirt, black pants, and a big TIE pilot helmet. You're I'm like, what, what the hell is, what is going on? I, didn't, I thought I was being pinched. I didn't know what was going on. Checking your wallet. And yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the helmet lifts up, and I'm staring into the handsome face Of Anakin Skywalker, Matt Lanter. (laughs) Matt was doing the old celeb trick of cruising the convention floor, helmeted, you know, uh, incognito-like, which has been done by, you know, Jim, you and Bill saw Hayden Christensen, speaking of Anakin
2: Skywalker, doing that back at Celebration 2. Bill Bill actually saw him. Yeah, I I, I really think that... uh that's when that was all sort of established as a way to do it was Hayden was the guy brave enough to say, give me one of those buckets. He put it on and just walked right out there, T-shirt and jeans with the stormtrooper helmet and uh, came back after about an hour or so and was like, I'll be damned. I fit right in. Yeah, he looked like TK42 Walmart there in the
3: <laughs> jeans and the T-shirt and <laughs> the just the helmets. Animals. But, but <laughs> anyway, so I, I, I'm looking at Matt and, you know, I immediately I was so glad that I, you know, I, I, I realized what was happening. He was, you know, you, you didn't want to be recognized and have a bunch right. of people asking for autographs and stuff. And so Selfies, uh, So I just yeah. kind of leaned into the hug, the embrace a little bit. And I kind of liked it. I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked it. I sort of leaned in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? I said, oh, so good to see you. You know, how's how's your wife, and how's the baby? And the baby's like fifteen months. Oh, it's the best wow. time of your life, man. You're gonna love wow. it. You're gonna have you having a good time. Yeah, having a great time. All right, man. We'll see you later. See you later. <laughs> and 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 then the, the helmet went down, and he was he was he was gone. Wow. But I tell you, it is an. I mean, it's it's not just a highlight of Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, but but. It's up there in the top five of all-time celebration highlights. So what a wow! He's just such a such a sweet guy, and for him to take the, 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 the risk of blowing <laughs> his cover, you know, and, and this oh. and this and Andy was there the whole time, just watching this. Oh, he didn't realize what was. Oh no, he obviously. he did know. Yeah,
2: he did oh, know. He knew it. He knew yeah, it was man. Yeah
3: wow yeah um so he he emailed and now andy was there at at reggie's and uh he said uh uh you know thank you for taking interest in the podcast that he started he has a he has a podcast um and i don't think he mentions the name of it but oh oh, top five he has this podcast uh, and I'm, i'm not gonna i'll find it i will do some research since we're talking about it here and we'll give it a plug on the facebook um but they take uh you know top five this top five that and he and his his two brothers uh they chat about it um but anyway he says uh seeing matt lanter stop by to say hi to you was just pure joy i've heard stories about celebrities walking the floor like that and it was so cool to witness it so that was uh from um andy nadu it goes by the name i don't know it is andy nadu and then he signed it drew so I'm guessing Andrew, sometimes it's Andy, sometimes it's Drew. Yeah, you never know who you're talking true. to. But uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was so cool. It was, it was yeah. really, really cool. And, well, uh, you
2: guys yeah. have always bonded. I mean, you're like the Ohio boys. Yes, that's uh, true. Yeah, that's true. Matt from uh,
3: Maslin, his wife uh, Angela from Akron. Right. So he married a good Ohio girl.
2: Didn't let all that Hollywood stuff go to his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, like you know, 10 years ago when we were getting a nomad for the first time, you actually traveled out to see him, I think, at his sister's no, house. was at his aunt's house. It is aunt's, it is aunt's, house, aunt's house. And yeah. uh, you were out there and uh, hanging out, pro- I think, in an, the guest bedroom upstairs talking. Yeah, it was wild.
3: Room. It was so surreal. I think we've got that interview uh, <laughs> yeah. up recently on the Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel. Uh, so that was just, that was just cool. That was cool. And, um, that's one of those things. It took about 30 seconds of his time, but I'll, I'll remember it forever. And he's just an awesome guy.
2: I'm amazed he spotted you. Walking through that crowded convention show floor with the bucket on the head and everything—I mean, that's that's a pro move. If he can do something like that, he definitely knows what he's doing with a tie fighter helmet on. That's so, true. I didn't even think about that. He might be more schooled so... at this than we think. You know, maybe he, he does this a lot and we just don't know it.
3: Yeah, or maybe uh, you know that girl from junior high was right, and I'm so unique looking that uh, I stick out <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Is that an Ugnaught? Look at that cosplay. Oh, that's swell! Oh, no. Come on. That's swang. That's yes, no Ugnaught.
2: Very handsome young man, sir. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, if you're looking for that interview with uh, Jason and Matt sitting up in the, the guest bedroom at Matt's aunt's house, uh, you can find it, RFR, on YouTube. Just look for uh, uh, In the Cantina Star Wars Interviews, Matt Lanter at home with Anakin, and you can uh, hear it right now. Yeah. But finish listening to this show first. Yeah, please do.
3: This is Matt Lancer, voice of Anakin Skywalker on Star Wars The Clone Wars. You're listening to Rebel Force Radio, your source for
0: the force. We'll
1: always be with you. Rebel Force Radio, your source for the force. No one's ever really gone. <laughs>
3: So I have a note here that tells me that seeing the Rise of Skywalker trailer yes. on, the, uh, on, the, on the big screen during the panel and then later multiple times on the flat screen in the hotel room is not where it ended
2: for you. Mm-hmm. No, no. Me and my son Dylan, we've been going to see the Marvel films on opening day for 10 years now. He's 16, so since he was six years old and the tradition continued, we were there this past Friday for Marvel Endgame. Mind-blowing. And what a satisfying conclusion to the MCU as it has been standing for all these years now. No spoilers. Um, No spoilers, spoilers. Scott. I I I would never, ever, ever come close to spoiling anything. But uh, I mean, I've heard people
3: threatened... Like, with their lives over spoilers about this movie. I have never seen such fervent anti-spoiler <laughs> mania as I
2: have with this movie. Let me tell you, opening day, I'm standing in line for popcorn for me and my son. And these kids, there's a whole group of them right behind me in line. And they're all popping off with all these spoilers left and right. And I turned around and I gave them a death stare. A wicked death stare. It made the mom so nervous. She just was like, uh, Catwoman dies. You know, that, that did break the tension a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that broke the tension a little bit. But I said, I looked at him like, you little, you know, wads, if you even come close. Uh, is i 'm standing outside the theater door at this moment. How dare you? So yeah, I, I get that. I get that. but um, it, you know, and, and knowing that I, we shouldn 't be diving too deep into Marvel on the Star Wars show, I, I just want to say that it is one of those great film experiences that elicited emotional responses from me.
3: Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute.
2: Come on. Are we talking about Are we talking about tears? I was reviewing our show notes for 2019, and I noted earlier in the year a hot topic on this show was crying at Star Wars. Yeah. And I, know, I heard a lot of people talking about crying during Star Wars Celebration. Um, yeah. I, I got the... Listen, during Star Wars Celebration, I got the feels many, many times. Uh-huh. Many times. And I might have even... Had a moment or two where I welled up. There was one moment on the show floor, which I can't even talk about here on this show, which is a very personal moment between me and someone who had a, a massive loss in his life. A total stranger, too. Mm. And, uh, and me and him connected on a level that just completely floored me and really amplified the power of fans coming together, you know, I mean, I, I think that gets overplayed a lot of times, but I was right there in the crosshairs, man. And, uh, me and, and this guy, uh, we bonded over star Wars and had an intense personal moment about a significant loss in his life that he was coming to terms with. And he had a very human moment right in front of me. And I of course was completely enveloped in the aura of his moment and joined him with the emotional response. Well, that, that was huge for see, me. But see, that's different, right? That's, that's, it, re- it is that's different, real but life, that's reality. It is real life and it is reality. But the reason why I think I was so open to accepting his personal pain at that moment is because we were there for Star Wars. And he was in full Darth Maul regalia, which made the whole... Situation, quite surreal, but still the personal weight of it was not lost on me at all. And it was one of those moments that really did a lot to make that weekend very significant for me. Especially that moment, that day. Because right after that, I went over to the Norse Legion booth where you... And my brother and Kevin Lyle and Glenn Nelson, you presented me. Oh, and Chris with, Mocked as well. And Chris Mocked, you presented me with a giant Star Wars archives book that weighs 50 four- pounds. 14, but depends after on how many gears you've had. After, well, no, you know what? This was on day four of the event. I was... Uh. I was starting to wear down a little bit. <laughs> I, I looked at my phone and, and did the math, and I walked 33 miles during the course of that celebration week yeah. from Wednesday through, though. I'm counting Wednesday because I was there for setup. I helped Kevin set up his booth and everything, so I was in there before the show doors opened and everything. And I got to see Star Wars Celebration at its bare bones as it was being constructed around me, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, you definitely get your steps in at these things. So I mean, they are—they're
3: good for, you know, they're—they're they're, they're good for your health. You know, mm. it's, you can tell if anybody out there is telling you you're wasting your time at these things, say no, thirty some miles—that's
2: incredible. That's incredible. But I got to tell you that. The, the, the emotional resonance of the Avengers Endgame movie, yeah. as, it, as it came to its conclusion, um, it, I felt it. I felt it. And um, at one point, a single tear rolled down my left cheek. And it was – I was having a moment. Yes, I was having a moment. And we were wearing 3D glasses, so I was really relieved (laughs) that my son wasn't watching me cry. But I didn't look at him. For all I know, he was having a moment as well. But – and so, like, so I'm I'm sitting there and this is happening to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've been so critical about – Star Wars fans who say they cry about everything. I mean, everyone's saying they're crying at celebration, all these crying going on. It it seems foreign territory for me. Well, I, I don't think I can make any statements about that anymore after watching Avengers Endgame, and I hope that I get that same emotional response when I'm watching Star Wars Episode Nine. But, I mean, I, it just goes to show you the value of the work that went into the MCU, the way it's been plotted out, the way that the actors have been able to embody the characters and create characters that we really give a crap about. And so I'm expecting a similar moment with episode nine. I almost want it to happen. I can't believe I'm well, saying it. I want to cry now. We we stand at Star on Wars the... Episode Nine. I'm I'm telling you, man. Mm-hmm. I want to cry
3: at Star wow. Wars oh. Episode Nine. You're gonna feel ripped off
2: if you don't. If it doesn't bring you to tears, no, no, because I don't cry at Star Wars movies. I just never really. But you want that. to. You're saying you want to. This is a desire you have. Well, after experiencing it in the MCU. I was like, wow, you know, the magic of movies is still alive and vibrant and can be applied to these big franchises that have wow. been around for a long time. Now now wait a minute though. Okay. Hold on a second.
3: Um this Marvel cinematic universe has been going on for for 10 years. It is it is a tremendous feat. I don't think that they're uh has been anything accomplished quite like this in terms of scope. I mean, you look at the bond franchise um, for the most part, they're one-off adventures. They're not, you know, tied to a singular canon. They also involve, you know, not nearly as many characters as something like Marvel. I mean, there's, Sure, nor you had the, the
2: character doesn't evolve film from film. Right, exactly. So there there's really, I
3: don't think, anything that compares to what's been accomplished with with the MCU. Um whether you liked all the movies or you didn't, I mean it was it was it was the kind of stuff that comic book fans only could dream of when they would go see the occasional superhero film. Just dream that it would, it would, you know kind of span out and encompass all these individuals and the way they accomplished it with these, uh, one-off films and this thread that they would weave through. And then the team up films. I mean, it was just absolute genius. It was just phenomenal hats off to everybody involved, uh, hats off to the studios for having the foresight to allow this to happen and not, you know, you think about, um, how Tim Burton at one point wanted to establish the, uh, uh, the The Batman films, and they kept jumping the, the, around different directors and different actors and you know it just eventually went the way as a lot of franchises did. You get three or four movies in and you 're done i mean this is an incredible accomplishment there 's no question, and as a Star Wars fan, we have a tradition as in star wars when when you know when Titanic became the number one grossing movie of all time, you know George Lucas put the ad in variety. Um, that, that, you know, tip the hat to, um, uh, James Cameron for, 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 uh, reaching that, that, uh, that, that milestone. And then it went back and forth and then, you know, the, um, the, uh, uh, as, as, uh, subsequent Star Wars movies came out, and, you know, it, it took back the title and then the title went back. I think, wasn't it E.T. and Star Wars went back and forth there with those little, uh, Those little ads that George and Spielberg would run back and forth with one another.
2: Yeah, Yeah, there's something traditional about that. In the
3: trades, they put them in the trades like like Variety and Hollywood
2: Reporter and things like that.
3: I want to keep the tradition alive. And as we stand on the eve of uh, the the latest Avengers movie overtaking the record set by The Force Awakens, um, hats off, right? Fine. All set. All good. I'm going to catch up on these movies one of these days. I really am.
2: It's all good. Listen, um, somebody asked me uh, on Facebook uh, what I thought about this about Star Wars losing its crown uh-huh. inevitably to Avengers Endgame, um, and I just uh, my response was, "Hey, you know, these movies, these MCU movies, are really connecting with filmgoers these days." And I'm, I'm so happy to be living in an era to see Star Wars and Marvel having such successful mainstream runs. I would have never have dreamt this possible, uh, you know, a few, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. And, you know, when I think about those dark times and everything, but... Um, I also acknowledge the fact that these records, these box office records, are made to be broken. These ticket prices go up in value. Uh, It costs more and more to go to a movie every... Time every year, it seems like there's constant add ons with 3D and IMAX and all of that stuff. And you go to those theaters where they're serving dinners and stuff. I mean, it's insanity. You know, the box office value is being inflated. So I think if you want to find the true box office champ of all time, you look for those numbers that are done post inflation you see through time that the true box office champ will be found in those numbers when adjusted for inflation the true box office champ is always going to be gone with the win followed by star wars and then i think rounding out the top five would be titanic et and jaws and I believe those are your all-time box office champs. You can look it up on box office mojo. I'm not gonna do it right now. But that's how you see who the 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 real champion is through time. Because if you look at these numbers now, they're so inflated. You have to look at the numbers adjusted for inflation. As a matter of fact, George Lucas wrote a book about this called Blockbusting with Lucy Autry Wilson. If you could track down that book, solid gold. What a what a great bathroom reader that one oh, is. Oh, yeah. Man. Anywhere you pick it up, you just flip open to any page,
3: and you're going to hear a great story about a classic film, uh, not just a classic film, but a, a blockbuster film. And, uh, you know, it's its place in the pantheon of, of all the, the big major blockbusters. I do have, I have to say, because I was remembering. So I, if you. Do yourself a favor. We'll try to get these up either on the website or on Facebook. But I'm looking at all these ads. So this, this goes back, this tradition uh, in variety, this goes back to when the original release of Star Wars beat out Jaws as the all-time box office champ. And, Jim, I don't know if you can picture the ad, but it's, it's R2 on a beach catching – he's got a little fishing rod – on one, on one of his legs, and he's catching Jaws. Jaws is getting pulled up, and the note says, Dear George, last week <laughs> Star Wars moved ahead of Jaws in domestic film rentals. Your hyperspace performance package really did the trick. Congratulations to the cantina crowd and all the forces of your imagination that made Star Wars so worthy of the throne. Wear it well. And then E.T. overtook it. And I don't have that ad, but then I have the ad once... Um, I think it was uh, Return of the Jedi, beat out E.T. And it was uh, a picture of E.T. It was uh, putting the crown back on R2-D2's dome. It says, Dear George, congratulations for renewing the most enduring motion picture (laughs) in cinema history. And uh, that could have been maybe a a re-release
2: of A New Hope, possibly. Um, and, and, you know, George and Steven love this stuff, this back oh yeah. and forth stuff. You know, there was a time uh, it was uh, reported, I think it was Spielberg who said this in an, in an interview, uh, that he would go over to Lucas's place and they would sit there and look at each other's websites. Like they would go to StarWars.com and look at that and then they would go to like no, you know who whatever was? Steven was looking at. and
3: You know who that was? That was, wasn't that a story that Kevin Smith told? It may have been, yeah. That I mean, he was, uh, he, it was either he experienced this or someone else did, that George showed up to Stephen's house on Thanksgiving with, like, a pie, and then they spent, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, and then
2: they spent, like, the whole afternoon on each other's websites. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sitting there with, the, you know, like, you, you picture it, like, remember the old commercials for that that game Battleship from Melton yeah. Bradley? Oh, yeah. Where they would show the kids sitting on a table and, like, they would be, like, back-to-back with each other. I picture, like, George and Stephen at a table with their laptops, like, back-to-back with each other. And they're just, you know, oh, really? You know, hey, Steven, um, this link doesn't work. Uh. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. He's like, George, come on. What are you doing? Look at his stuff. You don't even know what's going on with your own website. What are you doing? I'm looking at the uh, the ad
3: right here. This was my favorite. This was when Titanic... Uh, took over the, to be the all-time box office champ, and you have all the Star Wars characters that are on the Titanic as it's sinking. Java, uh, Java uh, is holding a, a martini in a proper martini glass. You got Princess Leia uh, doing the uh, the rose, and uh, DiCaprio in the, at the bow of the ship. Um, you know, King of the World with Han Solo holding her up. Uh, you got three PO saying to R two, I'm sure this is all your fault. <laughs> As it sinks, and then it just says, "Jim, congratulations george so anyway there 's this long tradition in fact, it continued with uh Jurassic Park and uh, the Marvel Studios. so when the Jurassic world uh took on and became the, the, the i think it was the, the title was the quickest to reach a certain milestone uh there was an ad of uh a T-Rex surrounded by the Marvel characters kind of pointing, and it says Marvel Studios congratulates Jurassic World on being the new opening weekend king. So it's a great tradition, good sportsmanship all around, and you know what? We'll see what happens when Episode Nine
2: comes out, right? I saw a fantastic image online that would be perfect for this type of ad you speak of. I could see... Lucasfilm putting this into Variety or something, where it's Ray with Luke's lightsaber, and instead of passing it off to Luke, you see Iron Man's palm there, reaching out for it. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. That nails it.
1: Yeah, I love Okay,
2: that. by the way, okay, Yeah. top 10 highest grossing films adjusted for inflation. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. This is recent. This is current uh, this is as of uh the last time they looked into this <laughs> oh, okay <of> stuff. <laughs> <All right>. um <laughs> we have gone with the wind mm-hmm. followed by avatar and titanic number four star wars the original mm-hmm. followed by the sound of music at number five et at six then rounding out the top 10 with 10 commandments at seven Dr. Zhivago at 8, Jaws at 9, and Star Wars The Force Awakens at number 10. Wow. I did not see that coming. Uh, Those are the latest numbers we're getting here at the RFR Semi-Factual Bureau. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, Mm -hmm. powered by Wikipedia. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Hey, by the way. Um, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Before we move on, this is this is oh uh, we I need get back. Trail. Hold on, yeah. hold on. Yeah.
2: Bring it back. We, we have to bring it back. Let's reel it back in. The reason we started talking about the Avengers in the first place is because the last trailer I saw in IMAX before the film started was that of Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker. So you saw this and in IMAX. I saw it in IMAX. Real yeah. big, too. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very impressive in IMAX. Extremely impressive in IMAX. Rey's backwards force leap over the incoming TIE Interceptor was amazing. Oh, and by the way, somebody did have to say on our YouTube comments, when we revealed the Episode nine trailer at Star Wars Celebration, somebody had to say... It is not Kylo's TIE Interceptor that you were referring to from episode nine. That was the TIE Silencer. I figured you would know this because it was in slow motion.
1: <laughs>
2: that's what we meant. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's what we meant. You know, right. Sometimes listen. The slow motion sometimes isn't slow enough for us. So, right. But I have to say, it was extremely <laughs> impressive. And um, the, the things that stand out so much for me for that trailer is I love the close arm Kylo Ren gives to that assailant uh, where he's, like, sticking that side blade of his saber into the guy's gut as he takes him down with his... Looks like that might be a Knight of Ren. Yeah, it does kind of, doesn't it? And there's new rumors that... Uh... Point to the
3: fact that indeed the Knights of Wren, all six of them, I believe they're saying that is it five or six? I can't remember, but um, they're going to be uh, fairly prominent
2: in this film. I, I hope again, so. just rumors. I hope so. I hope so. We, you know, I mean, uh, just teasing us with these guys throughout this trilogy uh, is is really leaving some of your best content. On the shelf, and we want to see it all here right now. I mean, let's let's see it all. I, I want it all there in front of us. We can take it. We can handle it. Really, we can. You want to give us a three-hour Star Wars movie like Avengers Endgame? Jason, you know the size of my bladder is minuscule, and I did not get up once, and I had a large icy at my side the whole time. Oh, amazing. amazing. I don't know how you pulled that off. Fastest three hours I ever spent in a movie theater in my life. And I wasn't even in the comfy reclinable chairs. Oh,
0: really? Suffer
2: theater ass from hell, but that was okay. (laughs) I adjusted. I shifted. (laughs) I took my wallet out of my back pocket. So, those are the things you have to do to make it through a good movie. And Avengers Endgame is a good movie. And it was very compelling, despite the fact it was three hours long. I was locked in the whole time. They threw a lot at you. They were able to fit it in, make it all cohesive, and flow well. And I think the same thing can be done as you try to wrap up three trilogies with Episode Nine. Like I said, this is a huge task. And I can't wait to see him pull it off. So... Uh, Long story short, the episode 9 trailer in IMAX was mind-blowing. blew me away. And I couldn't believe how quiet everyone was after the Star Wars celebration experience. And being in there at the Wintrust Arena. And having that crowd all energized and screaming and shouting and stuff. I wanted to do the same thing after seeing an IMAX. But it was like, you know, like stone-cold silent in that place. I, you know, I'm I'm screaming in my head. And it was... uh, I, well, I, was it I indifference, it. or was it just they were blown no, away by know, what they No, it's were just seeing. a trailer. People would probably see Anyone who cared had already seen well, it. that's true. But not in and, IMAX, you know, and it made an impression of you or on you in IMAX. Usually, trailers elicit a negative response when it creates that emotion from the audience. You know, you, you know they'll show something, and you usually hear somebody in the back going... But well, that's going to suck, you know I mean, there's always somebody right, right, right. it's usually me. let's just be honest here. <laughs> um, but uh you know, it wasn't like indifference, it was just like, you know, maybe if I started something. Maybe if I got up and went, yeah, yeah, maybe everyone else would have jumped in. You could have <laughs> let it, it off. You should have let it off. I should have. Yeah. I should have Come on. It say going. it loud. Say it I'm, proud. I'm in there with my 16-year-old. He'll be like, dad. And, oh, yeah, yeah. You,
3: you know, embarrass him again, like, just like you did Michael when you sang in front of Steve Sansweet that day. You embarrassed him.
2: Dad. Well, Michael was six at that point. I could get away with stupid dad stuff when you're but three, you six. But you still
3: embarrassed him. him. He still
2: had the good sense.
3: To be embarrassed of you. at six years old.
2: Oh, that was... He was just playing along. (laughs)
3: I'm sure. At least that's what he told me after. Yeah. But you did mention the Knights of Ren, and some of the latest rumors are that they will be uh, featured in the next film. Um, And, of course, I love these rumors, because it's like, you know, they'll just say that, uh, well, they're going to be present in the battle. um, But uh, no, no... No details on, on how prevalent yes, they're going so to me. be. Yeah, my, my, um, my so sources they're going tell out me. Yeah, my sources tell me your source is the damn trailer. That's what your source <laughs> is. We see them right there. And the voice is in your head. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we'll have more of that kind of thing uh, coming up. But uh, we would uh, be remiss if we did not acknowledge the fact that this weekend is a big one for Star Wars fans. This is May the 4th.
1: Orbiting the planet at maximum velocity.
2: This is Captain Tarkin of the Republic Army issuing the following order to listeners across the galaxy. May the fourth be with you. That is all for now. You may proceed with the operation. Oh, geez, we're halfway
3: through the show already and we've not even gotten to the the, the meat of it all. Because this, this is the great thing that happens. The best part of the show is the stuff that we do completely off the rundown. Yeah. Hardly any of this was on the rundown.
2: None this of is, it. This is,
3: <laughs> this is magic, people. Hey, all my
2: pre-show prep down the drain again. Oh no, no, no. Not no, at all. Eventually show. we get Listen, through it. 3-hour movie like yeah. Avengers Endgame, 3-hour yep. podcast. Yep. Like RFR, Endgame. Yeah. RFR, RFR Endgame.
3: Yeah. RFR Endgame this week. Endgame.
2: <laughs> We're going to turn to dust at the end. Yeah,
3: right. Who's well, who's going to do the snap? I got a few, I got a list of a few names that might do the snap. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, as we've mentioned here many, many times, Jimmy Mack, hard at work at the uh, Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel. Tons and tons and tons of content being released. Sometimes multiple, uh, videos a day, uh, coming out of that YouTube channel as we go through, uh, 13 years of Star Wars podcasting back to the old days of the old show. And then, of course, all the way up through some of the latest and greatest stuff. And there was one thing, you know, sort of the Rebel Force Radio, as it as it kind of was born out of the the previous show. Um, it 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 spawned this incredible uh, documentary that our pal Sheldon Norton had been working on for years. He'd been actually following us uh, for a long time. He he initially had this idea of like a. Like a little mini doc, like a little like seven eight minute thing. Uh, I remember. Do you remember that when he when he sent us the uh, sort of his uh, the the the, the real because he had, he's done some great work. He's an extraordinarily talented uh, editor minutes. and filmmaker. What yeah. is this a Star Wars show? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, that was his his original pitch was you know go to a show go to a convention with you. I think it was C two E two with yes. you guys. Get some footage and put together this little documentary. Well, that that turned into. What, seven years,
2: I think? Uh, He followed us around so much. He gathered so much footage and just went everywhere with us. It was, I mean, really, Sheldon became a member of the family. Sheldon and his son, Chase, became members of my family through this process. And he put together this incredible documentary, and we
3: showed it at Celebration
2: Anaheim. We Uh, rushed him into that, though. It wasn't ready. There was so much material for Sheldon to go through. And, you know, I, I don't want to say we rushed him. That's, that's really not fair. Sheldon felt very ready with that. But I think we're, we've, we saved the best for last, quite honestly. And as we approached May the 4th, we made an effort to continue to go through all the footage Sheldon shot. And we found some... Solid gold in there. And we're so happy that we're finally able to bring it to you guys on our YouTube channel with the Filoni Factor and The Ranch. So, Jason. Yes. Filoni Factor and The Ranch is essentially it's a sneak peek of the When the Galaxy Listens director's cut, which is Coming on May the 4th. Perfectly we're, timed. You know, perfectly, perfectly timed. timed. Yeah. Perfectly timed. And uh, it features some great footage there that uh, we've been sitting on for a long time. And uh, we're really finally ready to, uh, to lay it on you and let you come along with us as we leave no fan behind. And we visit Skywalker Ranch. And some familiar faces
0: show up and give their take on Rebel Force Radio. The production value of their show is incredible. They have a great banter between the two of them. I mean, the two of them are nuts. I mean, absolutely. And their personalities are are both very varied and different. I mean, they combat with each other. It's, you know, in some ways, like, they would be characters in the Star Wars universe. Uh, You know, I mean, it's not that far a throw for me to imagine them as radio hosts somewhere in the galaxy far, far away. they I, I just give you the whole thing here of my download on those two. Here they are at this kind of table like you see set up at you know a picnic, uh, folded out legs, and they've got this these little mechanisms laid out. I'm like, wow, look at this stuff. And this is how you do it. This is really amazing that this works. And uh, they had a cardboard box <laughs> that they shipped everything in and, Someone had fried the board, like one of the computers had completely fried him. They were just, it had all the elegance that the Millennium Falcon does. You know, it's, it's not much to look at, but it's got it where it counts. And that kind of sums up Rebel Force Radio. <laughs>
3: oh, well, that's very, that's very kind. So Dave <laughs> Filoni offering his take on uh, on Rebel Force Radio. Of course, the box is infamous. And that goes yes. back to one of those early conventions, uh, in Dallas, one of the, the fan days events, which were Plano such Texas. Yeah. They're such great events. And, uh, it was the first time that we were really doing, um, we, 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 we met up at, at celebrations before, but this was the first time that we were really making it kind of a, an event that rebel force radio was at the time the force cast was going to be there. And, um, so I remember talking to Jim and and at that time I had most of the gear and we were <laughs> trying to figure out you know what we were going to do to you know how to get it there and and uh so we decided that what we were going to do we were actually given this advice just pack it up in a box and ship it and just ship it to the warehouse <laughs> not to the warehouse what was it the shop
2: yeah, the shop. ship
3: it to the shop. Ship it to the shop. And and we did in the condition of that box. I mean, thank God I'm a pretty good packer because they, <laughs> I don't know what those delivery guys were doing with that box. They were dribbling it up and down the street. I, I, were, I don't know. They were shooting it with the shotguns. I, I don't know what they were. But this thing this thing had more holes than SpongeBob oh my by the God. time it showed up. And yeah. um,
2: surprised any of that gear worked. Oh, my gosh. The box was just in bad shape. And And I just always remember that moment. Filoni's walking by. He's wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. Yeah, this is the end of the convention. Yeah, and he's just This is the end of the convention. We're packing up. Slowly strolling by and acting like he's going to walk past us. And then he just comes back, stands right in front of you and me, as we're both like. Buried in a nest of tangled wires and all this. Stuff. <laughs> and
3: you know what? Just, you know what? Three like, PO is like at the end of
2: yeah, uh, Empire Strikes Back. When, <laughs> it was that.
0: Help, I think I'm melting. This is all your fault.
2: Yeah, and it he was, just shook his head back and forth. Yeah, I think he dropped a, You guys. Yeah, he's like, like he's like that. He goes. Then, he's
1: like, look at this display. Look at what's yeah, going on here. Look at this. It's very sad. Oh. Very sad. What's happening oh. here? Yeah. So,
3: so uh, yeah, and then so uh, that inspired funny. that that uh, famous drawing that he did of us
2: with the cardboard box in between. And you can uh, see that animated on the Filoni Factor in the Ranch. When the Galaxy Listens presents yeah. the Felony Factor in the Ranch, directed by Sheldon Norton. I think Sheldon did the animation on that and everything. It's uh, really cool. I like it kind of as a 3D effect. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I, I, I too, am, I couldn't be happier that this
3: version of the film is coming out because uh, th- we had seen uh, at one time a version of the movie, of the documentary that had some of this stuff in it. And talking about an emotional response, Jim, I remember you, you, you texting me saying you were on the couch with Wendy. You had yes. a bottle of Skywalker wine. This is true. You, you polished off and... Mm. Yes. Uh, you just, uh, it was a real, because it was, I mean, this was, I think at the time this came out, but that was, it was getting close to 10 years worth of, uh, of work that you and I have put into this, this whole adventure. And to see it kind of, you know, summarized in this way and, and also seeing our children grow, grow up right on, yes. on camera. Yes. It was incredible. I mean, there's a shot of of me with uh, my son Parker, who's six now. He was he was about two years old, uh, one and a half, two years old when Sheldon came to the house, and um, your boys growing up right in front of you on the on the screen. It was just a uh, tremendous, tremendous time capsule.
2: It is. It really is, and uh, I find it to be extremely emotional when I watched it, at least the first time. Now, it could have been that full bottle of Skywalker Ranch (laughs) Pinot, but, um, you know, it was more a moment of realizing that, wow, my gratification of this show is shared by other people, and that was kind of a revelation for me. And it was nice to sort of dip my toe back into those waters during Star Wars Celebration Chicago, which was nothing but an excellent encounter every we turn every corner and it's like, oh my God, it's the guys from Blues Harvest. It's Andy <laughs> Lith and the guys. And yeah. we're all having a beer together and taking funny pictures together. And it even got to one point when we were standing there on that Saturday or that Sunday. And I mean, people started lining up then. Yeah. And I saw that the girl was standing right there and she's dressed in the Leia buns and everything mm-hmm. and um, Star Puffs. Star Puffs. Puffs. Let's keep it Kenner Cannon. Right, and uh, she was the daughter of my friend Marty Ziven, uh, who had passed away. A, a radio guy I knew in Chicago and everyone knew Marty. And uh, he was really a pioneer when you, you want to talk about internet radio. Mm. Uh, Marty Ziven was the guy. And to be able to meet his daughter there at that moment, she's a huge Star Wars fan, and to have that connection. I mean, it was just like it was that same day, the same day I was with that Darth Maul, and then all of this was mm. happening. It was an incredible experience. So that's what um, leads me to this place right now where I'm at. And uh, it, it, they call it the post celebration glow. Mm. And my advice if you want to continue that glow, avoid Twitter at all costs. <laughs>
3: especially if you're Mark Hamill these days, we'll be talking about that coming up. But if you want to continue in the celebration glow, please uh, jump on YouTube on uh, Saturday, May 4th and watch uh, when the galaxy listens, the director's cut you, uh, you don't want to miss it. And if you think you've seen it before, you haven't seen it like this. uh, This is the vision, the version that Sheldon had in mind all along, so uh, I—it's I, been such a long time since I've seen. In fact, the—you uh, remember—he gave us a sneak peek link, and that link hasn't been active for quite some time. So I got to tell you, I'm excited to see this because it's been a while since yeah. I've
2: seen this version of uh, of when the galaxy listens. And the cool thing is too is that we've uh, been uh, culling up some footage there to create a, I think think—a couple more episodes to extend the streaming series uh, just a little bit further so oh very nice um, yeah yeah some some really nice stuff featuring just a lot of great star wars fans having very little to do with you and me but just a, a real uh, warm and fuzzy Viewing experience, if you're a Star Wars fan, you will enjoy it very much, and that's uh, pretty much the trademark of When the Galaxy Listens, and that all has to do with uh, this great community that we've been able to build, and, of course, Sheldon. And his delicate touch as a filmmaker. He is uh, one of the best. He sure is. Um, Speaking
3: of uh, one of the best, one of the best partners we've had here at Rebel Force Radio for many, many, many years are our good friends at Audible. Audible. I couldn't live without Audible. I have Mm. such a long commute, sometimes 90 minutes just to get to the day job. Right. And man, oh, man, do I love having access to Audible's incredible library. Of great books and uh, special programs, because listening, when I'm in the car, I have no choice. I'm I'm captive. So unless Jim and I are recording uh, an episode of Rush Hour for our Patreon exclusive, I have nothing to do. <laughs> right, so I want to. I want to multitask. I want to. I want to find a way to better myself in this downtime, and and listening is one of the ways to do it. It makes us smarter. It makes us more connected. It makes us better partners, parents, leaders. And there's no better place to, to start listening than at Audible. And there's no better place to find Star Wars audiobooks than Audible. You're going to get more than ever before. Now, Audible members choose three titles. Every month, that's one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. You're not going to jump on iTunes and download these. These are exclusive to Audible. You can also get free access to The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, delivered every day by the Audible app. You say, oh, I don't have time to read the newspaper. Yeah, you do. You, can, <laughs> you have time for the newspaper to be read to you. <laughs> yeah, you do, punk. And the and then and the convenient oh the app is incredible I just got a a, a new car and it's got the uh, the the fancy Apple CarPlay in it and guess oh. what popped right up on the dash when I turned Audible. it on the Audible app so yeah it's, it's the everywhere best. it's so great I,
2: I've been I've been preaching to uh, people about the Audible app for so many years and because of the fact that they unleash so much Star Wars content. That is almost what I use it for exclusively, and I I mean, I, I love all the other great features that they have to offer, but I am locked into Star Wars audiobooks galore on Audible. Yeah, it's it's so great. It's
3: one of the most bulletproof apps. It n- will never let you bulletproof, down. Bulletproof. Yeah, you can be at the gym. You can be commuting like me, on the go, on any device. It's always going to pick up right where you left off, and you can start listening with a 30 day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals, all free. Just go to audible dot com slash rfr, or you can text rfr to five hundred five hundred. That's text RFR two 500-500. And, of course, you'll find the full history of Star Wars audiobooks. It doesn't matter whether it's Legends, whether it's right. the, the new canon. I'm um, trying to tell you. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah, the, the latest uh, Star Wars Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, narrated by the great Mark Thompson. He's been doing the Star Wars audiobooks for many, many years. Uh, it's, it's absolutely fantastic, and uh, our good friend Cleveland Chris, Cleveland Chris is currently uh, reading uh, Star Wars, just read, actually, Star Wars mm-hmm. Master and Apprentice, and uh, he liked it quite a bit. He's he's sort of our, uh, he's my resident
2: reader. He reads them for me. Oh, there you and go. Then, he and reads then them, he them so me, you don't
3: have to. That's right, and then he tells me all love about them.
2: And I've heard a lot of good stuff about this book, so I, I will be diving into that because I love me some Oh, yeah, sure. You know, some Qui-Gon Chin, you know, he's massive. Absolutely massive.
3: Maybe get Jimmy Mac to do one of these uh, Qui-Gon books.
0: One yes. Of these
3: days to yes. Do that. Uh, but you don't have to wait. You can start listening with a 30 day Audible trial. Uh, once again, that first audiobook plus two Audible originals for free. Visit audible.com slash RFR. That's audible.com slash RFR. Or text RFR to 500 500. Massive.
1: Hello, my friends. This is
2: Moralo Evol, and today I heard one of my guards say, May the fourth be with you. Mm, sounds very
1: suspicious. Moralo Evol suggests you be on your guard the whole day. I have good news for you, my lord.
2: That's good news. Come closer, I have good news.
3: Well, Mark Hamill making news. If you haven't seen this, uh, this, this uh, showed up right after, I, I want to say, the day uh, or two after the release of the trailer for Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Somebody did a Photoshop mashup And they took the shot of um, Billy Dee reprising his role as Lando in Episode 9, when he's laughing and enjoying himself at the helm of uh, the—oh, helm, that was very Star Trek, I shouldn't say that— at the controls, in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And surrounded him with the sequel trilogy-era faces of Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, and Mark Hamill as luke skywalker yes
2: and and if you look at the photo doesn't it look like everyone is having a big laugh at han's expense oh definitely yeah lando just
3: cracked wise on han han's kind of looking grizzled everybody like carrie's kind of or leia she's kind of laughing and shaking her head a little bit luke's
2: back there having a belly laugh um looking homeless as he does (laughs) Well, you know, it, it's an interesting collection of photos. I can tell you that Han Solo shot is from The Force Awakens as the Falcon is approaching Takodana. That is directly taken from the film. The Billy D photo is obviously directly taken from the Episode Nine trailer. Yep. The Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill pictures, I believe, are taken uh, when the cameras weren't rolling. This bonus bonus content stuff. This is Mark having a laugh on the set. Well, yes, of or episode it, eight. if it does tie into a scene, it could be that one moment when he sort of tricked Ray. It was a deleted scene where he tricked Ray into believing that the Octu nuns were, or whatever those Oh, Lesson guys. 3, right? Wasn't le- that yeah, Lesson right, 3 right. that never right. showed up? In the That's movie? the only time that Mark really displayed any sort of rich personality and it was in a deleted scene I, I, as far as like having a sense of humor. Right. Um, I mean, you could say, you know, there's, you know, certain moments he has here and there that, that moment when he tickles Daisy's hand with that read to me, that feels, you know, a lot of people have said a lot about that moment, but to me, I don't know if it feels really Luke Skywalker, but it feels very Mark Hamill to me yes it almost seemed you know yeah. uh, to me that uh, people have criticized that moment people have criticized every moment in the last Jedi. let's let's freaking face it but that moment feels like a mark hamill moment
1: <gasps> i feel something you feel it yes i feel it that's the force really wow it must
2: be really strong Oh, well, you i've never
1: found any- ow
2: That feels like a Mark Hamill moment. And I I can roll with that because the line between Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill to me is kind of thin. I always believe that Mark has a lot of ownership. You know, that little moment uh, there in in, in the last shot, I always made me uh, feel like it was a Mark Hamill moment.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I didn't. Subscribe to a lot of the criticism of that particular scene. I liked it because it reminded me a little bit about the playfulness that Yoda had yes. with with Luke on on Dagobah, and you know you could draw some parallels. I mean, Luke's been in exile. Yoda was in exile. Um, you know, look at Tom Hanks. Yes. You know, in Castaway, yeah, look look how crazy he went with the. <laughs> yes. You know, with the uh,
2: volleyball. I mean, you know, I would just embrace it. If it was me, I would just embrace it. Oh, yeah. I I would love just to go
3: just total, total nut job on a deserted island sometime.
2: It's like, hey, we're off the grid for real here, baby. Let's (laughs) let's let's figure out what's going on here. Let's poke around a little bit. But I think what, what rubbed some
3: people the wrong way was that this, this brilliant Photoshop montage, which is really beautiful. In fact, I have a version of it, and I've been talking about this on the show from time to time, is I'm a fanatic with the, uh, the Black Series figures. And I have all of my um, sequel trilogy core characters like mm-hmm. uh, Leia, Han, Luke in their sequel uh, trilogy uh, looks all together. And I have literally, Jim. I have. I, I think I have texted you uh, photos and uh, of the three of them uh, together with Chewie and the droids. Mm. And I and I wrote what could have been, hmm. what could have been, because I have them all, you know, together. And yes. um, I, I
2: think if you rewind to uh, some of our podcasts from 2012, when it was announced. That new Star Wars films were on the horizon. Specifically episode 7. That announcement was made. And you'll hear me talking very wistfully about the necessity of having the big three in that Falcon cockpit together. Now I pictured Chewie sitting in the chair that Lando is sitting in. But of course Chewie is in the back. Playing hollow chess with R2 and three PO and Lobot. We want Lobot in episode nine. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yes. We want Lobot in episode nine. Yeah. We want Lobot in episode nine. What do we do? Hashtag this stuff. No. Lobot episode nine. What do we do? Lobot T R O S. <laughs> what do we do? How do we do this? Hashtag- who, knows about who- who knows anything about social media? Me and Swank have proven time and time again we don't know crap about social media. No, Who knows?
3: Not. Well, anyway, so, so this photo, uh, which was, this, this, again, this brilliant Photoshop montage, uh, they, they ran this Star Wars, sort of this the sequel trilogy logo treatment where you have the star and the war separated by the title of the film. And what this person did is he he or she, whoever it was, uh, put what should have been. There's a credit on the photo.
2: Oh, is there a credit? Photo, Yeah, give credit where credit is. All dude. right. I don't know. Was it Steven? Does
3: it say, I, I see
1: Stephen there.
2: Let me find it. I don't know. Star Wars. You know what? I, I think that what should have been, you know, I mean, that's that that's uh, putting salt in the wound. I mean, that's a little unnecessary. I think the the photo speaks for itself. And as Star Wars fans, we have often placed the characters in situations, whether it be action figures or personal head headcanon, uh, we've always put these characters in different circumstances and situations than they were actually in when you look at it on the silver screen. As a matter of fact, the first time I met Billy D. Williams was at a CBS radio station in Chicago back in 2002, and... I had expressed to him that he was the most romantic character, the the lady killer of Star Wars. I really suddenly realized. What a phenomenon that whole experience is! After mm-hmm. all this time, it, it just still keeps going oh, on. Yeah, and it's on. it's generational. And what was cool about Lando is you were like the intergalactic Hugh Hefner. You know, it was just, <laughs> that was the sort of vibe that Lando gave out. He didn't I don't have think a lot anybody he didn't have a lot of ladies. He just had uh, this you one. You knew, you knew though. You were so yeah, right. smooth. You knew <laughs> that there was stuff going on off screen that we didn't know about. And so, I mean, that, I think anybody who played Lando couldn't have pulled it off the way you did. Well, th- you, you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> Ah! There you go. There you go. So <laughs> the actors yeah. do bring a lot yes. of their own personal charisma and personality into the characters. Of themselves. course,
3: there's a there's a there's an assumed backstory. And, and that was all part of the aesthetic that George wanted to give, not just the characters, but the, the, the props, the pieces, the ships, all the elements of these films. George wanted you to have an immediate reaction to. And be able to see, oh, wow, you know, right away they're talking about the thousand generations. You know, I mean, there's a backstory, there's a history, there's, there's, uh, there's wear and tear on the universe. And that was a big part of it. And and uh, subtlety, you know, be damned. Uh, if there's a bad guy, we're going to make him look like the devil, you know, in Darth Maul. Um, so
2: oh, by the, the way, the the photo, yeah. the, the Photoshop does have a watermark on it that says at Stephen Wayne art at Stephen Wayne art. So Stephen Wayne apparently is the guy who, uh, slapped this Photoshop together and, uh, you know, and, and rightfully so it's, um, initiating a lot of and elicit, it's eliciting a lot of emotional reaction from all sorts of star Wars fans for me as an ori- original trilogy fan, it's bringing about like the right emotions. You know, this is yeah. what I always kind of pictured well, in my mind when they announced that these films were going to be thrown into production. I thought we'd at least have one shot of these core characters in well, that's Millennium that's Falcon that's
3: S- that is the whole point of this. The whole point of this. Is as as we as we, as we turn soldier. back the clock and we and we look at what we were talking about, you know, we, we were hanging by every thread, looking for uh, uh, leaks and spoilers and news about who was going to sign. Kerry was signed. That was the first one we heard. Then we heard that Mark that that uh, Harrison Ford was signed. Then finally Mark Hamill was signed. Okay, you've signed them all. We've got it. Let's do it. Right. What's the first
2: mental image in your
3: of mind? Of course,
2: is the three of them. On and, the Falcon, at, at, in the circa, Falcon. circa present tense.
3: Yeah, of course, of course. Now that didn't happen, right? They reunited the Beatles so that they could all have their own solo album. I keep using that that metaphor, and I think that it's 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 very apropos. Um, but so this this image went out, and Jim, you said you didn't really care for the caption. I thought it was fine. What what should have been. It's
2: unnecessary. Well, okay, fine. you got to it, telegraph it like that. <laughs> well, I mean, I look- I, it's not like I'm offended by it or anything. I just think, you know... Um it's just, you know, well, he's making messages. a point. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to call this movie
3: Star Wars. What should have been. All right. So he's he's not he's not um, leaving any room for doubt here. This is what he intended by it. So this catches the eye of Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill, who's a big user of social media, especially on Twitter, has a huge following. And he retweets this photo. And he does hashtag missed opportunities, mm. missed opportunities. Well, this thing gets retweeted 24,000 times, at least at the time of this uh, freeze frame of history. Uh, 116,000 likes, 4,034 comments. I mean, when Mark, Mark. does something, um, the Internet notices, the, Twitter, the Twitterverse it. notices. So Mark it. says hashtag missed opportunities. Yes. Now, here's the thing that I, I, I want to make very, very clear about this in the way I see it. And and Jim illustrated it perfectly without any prompting. He said moment. The word moment, we all expected to have the moment. Now, this doesn't mean that the whole saga, the whole, excuse me, the whole uh trilogy sequel trilogy is is the the four of them or the three of them on board the Millennium Falcon that's not what we were talking about we were talking about at some point there's going to be this moment where our heroes are reunited on the Millennium Falcon as they go off on one last adventure together that's what we thought was going to happen we knew that it was a passing of a torch yeah, We knew that. I mean, that was something that was made so obvious and so clear by the talking points that the actors were given in the hype up to The Force Awakens. Literally those words, Mark Hamill himself, it's a passing of a torch, It's the passing of the torch. This is about a new generation of, of characters that was always going to be the case. And nobody was disputing it. Nobody was saying that they didn't want it. Everybody was waiting eagerly because they knew that the payoff, if you were an original trilogy fan, if you've been a fan of this stuff, as Jon Favreau said, for the last 40 some years, this was going to be your payoff. The passing of the torch, but you were going to get the moment. The moment never happened. Mark Hamill has been very, very clear, and he has made comments about this, saying that it was a missed opportunity. In fact, he went so far as to say he was hoodwinked. He thought he was getting three films out of this. He really only gets one because he was only in the last couple of seconds of the first one. He's going to be a ghost, if anything, in the third one. So the second one was the only one that he got, and they signed him for three movies. Now, he puts this thing out and just says, missed opportunities. Well, this was not about saying, oh, well, the sequel trilogy shouldn't have had Ray, shouldn't have had Poe, shouldn't have had Finn, shouldn't have had Rose, shouldn't have any of these characters. That's not what he's saying. That's not what anybody is saying here in this case. What they're saying is what we wanted was this moment. This moment is so obvious. It's so clear. It's so uh, self-evident that it would take. Frankly, someone just being belligerent or ignorant to not provide it. Hear, here, So Mark tweets this, and what happens? All hell breaks loose. Now all of a sudden, uh, Mark Hamill is getting uh, – th- this is political. This is a guy that practically makes a career out of going on Twitter every day and saying everything nasty he can about Republicans, what have you. That's his purview. But here's a case where he's not being political. At all,
2: this has nothing to do with politics. People are making it political they 're marginalizing Mark for his age, oh, and yeah, in doing so they 're also adding on Harrison and Carrie mm-hmm. and Billy D, who at eighty two years old should be applauded for his ability to step back into his role that he created in nineteen eighty God bless him, Hey, listen, none of us are immune. To the ravages of time on the human body. We all are going to experience it. God bless us if we do. To marginalize these legendary actors. Hamill, who had spent years and years on the shelf. Because he was labeled as that Luke Skywalker guy and unhirable. Harrison Ford, who's built a tremendous career and is in the Hollywood Hall of Fame in my book, you know, forget the stars on the sidewalk. This guy is a true, legitimate Hall of Famer for his career. Maybe his maybe m- one of the last real movie stars. When you think... Movie wow. star, yes, that's Harrison yes. Ford, Clark you know, Gable, Sly Stallone, who's still around, Bruce Willis. Those guys still kind of are carrying the torch a little. But there's something about Harrison that adds a tremendous air of legitimacy because you know Harrison Ford's a no. B.S. guy. He never got sucked in by the system. And Harrison Ford has always called his own shots throughout his career. Now he's just a guy who is grateful at his age to be able to get these roles. You know, Mark Hamill, too. I mean, God, you know, Mark Hamill, I'm so thankful and, and grateful that Mark has had this renaissance in his career. It's richly deserved, long overdue, and something that benefits Everyone. So Mark is just expressing a little bit of his well-deserved ownership of the role of Luke Skywalker. If there's anyone who is going to make a commentary about the role of Luke or the character of Luke who would earn more respect from me is a guy named George Lucas. The next one is Mark Hamill. Those are my top two guys on the totem pole. But that's just me, you know? I'm not talking about how the business works. Uh, Mark acknowledges many times that, you know, he, he understands how the business works. But in reality, I think when it comes to having a clear idea and definition about what makes Luke Skywalker tick, there are only two people to talk to, and that's George Lucas and Mark Hamill.
3: Yeah. You know, th- th- what's really interesting about this is that many people, uh, whether you like The Last Jedi or you don't, will agree that that was really the performance of Mark Hamill's career. I loved it. He turned in one of the most convincing and greatest performances uh, that, that he'd ever performed before on, on on screen, Mm -hmm. knowing the whole time he's writhing inside in vehement disagreement with the direction that they're taking the film and the character. He's very open about that, but he's such a pro that not only does he do what he's being paid to do, but he does it ridiculously well, ridiculously well. And so when he has the opportunity and he sees this uh, this this graphic, this 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 Photoshop montage uh, of these great iconic. I mean, you can't really get more iconic than these characters. You know, maybe the crew of the Starship Enterprise would be the only thing that would rival them. And so, of course, the reaction went beyond just, uh, you know, laughing at uh the age of these characters, it went into just some real downright nasty stuff and accusations that of all people, there's really, I can't think of anyone that has sung the praises of Daisy Ridley more online than Mark Hamill. I don't think you'll find a bigger Daisy Ridley fan than Mark Hamill. And so all of these accusations that sprung up as a result of this tweet, you know, saying that Mark was taking a big crap on the work of the people that put together the sequel trilogy. And that that's Mark putting
2: was, it mildly compared to some of these tweets that I'm looking at on my screen right now. Sure. Which we will not obviously <laughs> go through on this show. But, I mean, just the the, the sampling that I'm seeing, I, I, I'm i shocked. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just... I'm, am, but am I surprised? I don't think so. No, because these are, these are the type of people
3: that are going to take a big steaming dump on a cultural icon like Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker because he laments the fact that he didn't get time on screen with his friends, people and characters that are responsible for his career and what he might have been looking forward to at the class reunion. You know, Mark talks about the last day on set of Return of the Jedi, and he said, yeah, we all felt like we were graduating from high school. We were hanging up our, you know, cleaning out our lockers, and we didn't think we'd ever see each other again. And then you get back to, to, to the reunion, and you want to hang out with your friends, even just for a moment. And again, that's the whole point of this. No one is saying that this should have been the movie or the movies. What people are saying is that this could have been and should have been, a moment in these movies. You got three movies. You got um, uh, seven-plus hours, eight-plus hours of screen time. You can't make this happen? You, you, You brightest and best writers out there can't find a
2: way to make this work? Squeeze it in. Squeeze it in. And so I've heard people say, well, I would never, ever give up that incredible ending. To the Force Awakens when Ray finally finds Luke. The whole movie is just this anticipation about where's Luke? Who's Luke? What's Luke doing? Ray finally finds him at the end of the movie, and we finally have Luke in our presence, and he turns around. You know, I mean there's almost a glow coming off of him at that yeah. moment. Yeah. And then, yeah, they zoom in, he looks tired and disheveled, befitting of a Jedi who has seen what he has seen, who has been through what he's been through. And the saber is extended toward him and he looks at it and there's a sign of doubt. There's a sign of resignation and there's a sign of destiny in his eyes. I mean, there's just something about that scene. You knew that Luke would never be able to escape I mean, that was never even an issue on my mind at that moment about yeah. him escaping. But I, because I, I figured he was in exile for a very significant, profound reason that would tie into the rest of the saga, other than something that was rooted in self loathing, rooted in defeat, rooted in failure, and rooted in a sense of, well, I give up. And I never found what the exact impetus was for him to come to the conclusion that he was at When we finally meet up with him in the last Jedi, I never was able to connect those dots because I think a lot of the most interesting stuff about Luke Skywalker's history has been left off screen at this moment. And I don't want a book to fill it in. I don't want a comic book to fill it in. I want to see it as a cinematic experience. I don't even want to see it as a Disney plus streaming series. I want to see it on the silver screen because that's where Luke Skywalker always belongs. And I think there's a reverence that I have toward Luke Skywalker that's based in that mentality because that's where it comes from. I mean, that's where the roots run deepest for me with Luke Skywalker is putting him on a pedestal. How he evolved into... So I don't want to jump to conclusion well, right. because, again, we've only seen 66% of the story. There's still a lot more story to there be told. Is. And we don't know what the impact of Luke's sacrifice is going to have on the conclusion of the saga. With the title, The Rise of Skywalker, I'm very optimistic that Luke's sacrifice is going to have a tremendous and profound impact on the remainder of the story. And I hope he comes back as a force ghost. I want frickin' force ghost. Damn it! I want four skulls. <laughs> all right. Well, the story at hand here
3: is more about the uh, the internet's treatment of Mark Hamill. Now, Mark Hamill again has been carrying uh, on for all of uh, the, the causes out there online, but then he crosses the line by, for one moment, insinuating that these characters step into the spotlight ahead of the characters that have been created for this uh, sequel trilogy, and that's it. That How dare he? How dare he claim that these iconic characters have a moment together? And you've got people saying, uh, I love this. Uh, this guy uh, on Twitter, um, uh, not going to lie, this movie would be boring as F, yeah, this on. movie. Hey, I got news for you, whoever you are. I'm not going to give you your name you're not a star wars fan dude i gotta tell you if you think a movie reuniting lando princess leia luke skywalker and han solo after 40 years would be boring as
2: f you're not a fan move along or how about this one who called mark a crusty bitter a you absolute buffoon i mean it's just how i mean what I mean, what? Mark Hamill is making himself accessible. This is a Hollywood legend. This is Luke Skywalker. And he's making himself accessible to you on Twitter, and you are going to crap all over him just because he retweeted a photo, a photo that he did not create. He just felt inspiration by, and you're going to tag him with all these labels and all this terrible language. I'm shocked at some of the stuff I'm seeing on my screen right now. Absolutely shocked. I will stand with Mark. Forever on this notion because that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that the sequel trilogy was in motion was the big three in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. I mean, it's <laughs> a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, who, who would have thought? Brainer, Jim. Who
3: would have thought that a photo like this? of Lando, Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, and, and Han Solo after 40 years would reward. cause controversy. This is a controversial thing in this day and age. What? You can't the even what? say.
2: I, 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 this, this defies any and all description. So our friends see this, and they go, hey, you guys are the big Star Wars fans. You have the podcast. What's going on with all these nut jobs who are attacking Mark Hamill? They think we're responsible for it. Come on. Show some common decency, you guys. This is disgusting. So Mark responded. Finally, he responded. Yeah, Yeah, this is what he does. And I got to disagree with Mark,
3: but, you know, he's trying to take the high road. Why do you want to disagree with Mark. I want to disagree with Mark because he he, he apologizes. You, he and does not apologize.
2: Read his response. He explains. He since when does defining your stance on something? Okay. All
3: right, uh, that's fair enough. Fair when enough. When does that okay.
2: qualify as an apology? All right. You're right. You're
3: right. Words mean things, and I'm. You're right. I'm going to give apologize, you this one. This was say, not an apology. I'm I just resent the fact that Mark say. was put in. No, he doesn't say he's sorry. I just hate the fact that he was put in this position. I feel like this is a little bit of eating crow. It does stop short of an apology. So here was Mark's reply to this. Uh, after the uproar, he said, uh, saw a pic of me with Billy D. Carrison, which was his nickname for uh, Carrie Fisher, uh Harrison and Harry. Posted it because I miss them. Nothing more, nothing less. I love the new cast too, and didn't mean to get everyone's knickers in a twist. Maybe I should have just posted a bunch of hashtag endgame spoilers instead. Hashtag relax and have fun, people, and an emoji with the winky tongue out face now and notice, then he, and then he posted the a, yeah he has a photo so this is the same photo but with, with with one addition behind lurking behind luke skywalker and han solo is the bruce tim <laughs> version of the joker from batman the animated series and a uh green lightsaber of course if it was the joker'd have to be the green lightsaber uh ignited behind him uh, so Mark, of course, having some fun here. And one of my favorite expressions is that words mean things, say what you mean, mean what you say. And you're right. The words, I'm sorry, are not there, are not there. It, it, it felt to me as an apology. He's but, clarifying. But he is position. clarifying.
2: You're right. You're right. Which this is, is only fair because he, reposted a photo with a hashtag yeah. which can often be interpreted in weird ways and vague ways and if anyone should know that it's us here at rebel force radio how you doing follow us on Twitter at RFR rebel force um, so what I love about this is that
3: <laughs> who who comes back you know you need one guy to Douse a little bit of cold water on a hot situation. Who is going to bring the cool that you need? None, <laughs> other, than, none other than Billy D. Williams himself at real bdw on Twitter, and uh, he replies at Hamill himself. You should be used to getting everyone's knickers in a twist. Part of your charm, man. <laughs> <laughs> so here comes Billy D. to come and kind of lighten the mood a little bit, and cool it. Yeah, cool it as he. <laughs> As he that's, did with us. Yeah, right. And uh, Mark Hamill uh, saw that. No, er, he, he, he replies to Billy Dee, uh total exoneration, no collusion. Thanks, at Real BDW. There's no one more capable of assessing charm than you. Love to you and all the cast members of hashtag the rise of Skywalker from your pal. And as he often signs a lot of his uh, tweets, Mar, M-A-R, and then the emoji of a camel. So, Mar, camel, hashtag, master knicker twister.
2: What does that mean? Uh,
3: Well, because he was saying that he didn't mean to get everyone's knickers in a twist. Oh, I see. see. master. before,
2: remember, he he, he called himself uh, Master Hamster or something. Yeah, the hamster or something. That's That's what I'm like. I saw that, and I'm like, I've been a Star Wars fan for 40-something years, and never once did I ever consider calling the guy. Master Hamster. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, I no, I, I feel I, that way. And, you know, there's a lot of this uh, the accusations being thrown yeah, around. You about- know, we heard this.
2: A lot of um, ageism, yeah, a lot of marginalization yeah. over an actor like Mark Hamill because of his age. He's only in his 60s. To me, that seems like homeboy territory, you know, yeah. a guy in his 60s. Are you kidding me? We're all going to get there. Way quicker than you can acknowledge uh, i 'm not there jason's not there. Uh, you know Mark is a guy who uh, we respect is someone who has blazed the trail for so many Hollywood actors. There was a very small list of actors who embodied their character, who became really known for their character before. Star Wars. I mean, you look at the obvious ones, you know. Clayton Moore is a Lone Ranger. And, um, of course, Leonard Nimoy is Mr. Spock. John Wayne is Rooster Cogburn. All all of those guys who built up those personas over the years. Um, Adam West is Batman. But Adam had a, you know a weird career outside of Batman. He did, but I mean he was Batman. I mean there was He was Batman, no and, question about that. And also occasionally visible in softcore porn late at night on your local cable provider. Wow. But hey, that's not know Adam about West. that? What? I didn't know about that. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I had no idea that Adam West had a softcore porn I, I think career. There- Gosh, I can't believe I'm bringing this up on the show. Um, But um, I do believe that there are a couple of credits on his IMDB that will link you back to some softcore pornographic material that you might see on Cinemax late at night. All right. Moms, dads, driving your kids to school. Sorry about that. Yeah. Back to your regularly scheduled Rebel Force Here's Here's my advice. Parents don't tell your kids, kids... Don't tell your parents. Brilliant. Back to your regularly scheduled Rebel Force Radio. <laughs> uh,
3: so anyway, um, what, what what bothers me, again, about this so much is that uh, Mark Hamill is a guy that has cultivated a lot of goodwill yes. for a lot of uh, causes, yes. uh, political, social, otherwise, online. And uh, to, to brand Mark Hamill or... Really, to make this some sort of political controversy is just beyond the pale. This is like when you run out of bullets and you just throw the gun. I mean, this is this would be silly and laughable if it wasn't so sad at the same time. That all Mark Hamill is doing is echoing the sentiment that a lot of fans have had. He himself has had for a personal reason. The fans have had it. Because they want to see their heroes up on the big screen one more time, uh, teaming up to face off the ultimate evil. Uh, Mark Hamill, the actor, is, is, is taking this at a personal level saying, these are friends of mine. These are people that, you know, I mean, we can't discount what the loss of Carrie Fisher means to a guy like Mark Hamill. The idea that this uh, reunion on screen was at one time possible but is now impossible due to Carrie's real death, uh, Harrison Ford's cinematic death, Sk- Mark Hamill's cinematic death. Um, again, no one disputes, disagrees, or uh, otherwise rejects the idea that this was a passing of the torch. We knew it going in. We knew it going in, but we all thought we all assumed that there would be uh, this moment, and this particular artist, this uh, Stephen, who put this together uh, in in such a way that it it sort of gave us the you know no different than me with my action figures up on the shelf the what if anybody that claims that that uh, a movie that has that moment of those actors. In, at that age and playing those characters once more together would be boring <laughs> as F. You never were, never are, and never will be a fan yes, of Star Wars. Absolutely. Never, never, never. Absolutely. So stop
2: playing online that yeah. you're a fan of Star Wars because you aren't. Oh, well, that's the core right there, baby. Don't mess with the core. All right, don't mess with the core. Right. So, All right. If you have something to say about that, Send us an email, or better yet, a voicemail <laughs> oh, yeah. at one seven zero eight three two zero one RFR. That's one seven zero eight three two zero one seven three seven. We want to hear how you stand on that specific issue because uh, I, I don't think there's anywhere else to stand. Uh, Mark Hamill himself actually uh, approached this issue just recently when he spoke to the Hollywood Reporter on their podcast awards chat hosted by Scott Feinberg and Mark talked a little bit about dealing with fans on social media.
1: Well, I, you know, I love teasing fans on um, the internet. They call it trolling. I call it teasing. Of course, when you've been the trickster and the joker, nobody takes anything (laughs) you say seriously. It's like the boy who cried wolf.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He, he loves it. He owns it. He, he, this is the thing that's so great about Mark Hamill is the fact that he is what you see. You know he's he's a ham. He's an old school Hollywood guy, uh, somebody who came into Hollywood in the '70s, but carrying on the legacy of and 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 all of the uh, things that made Hollywood uh, great in the golden age of you know whether it be the, the Laurel and Hardy stuff or Jimmy Cagney or Broadway musicals. I mean, all that is a part of of Mark Hamill. He just loves. The business.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: He loves
3: the business.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we just played that clip from the Hollywood Reporter Awards Chatter. You can find it when you're doing searches on iTunes or wherever. Look for THR Awards Chatter. And this is a, a really cool podcast. And they did a great episode with Mark Hamill as he's out there promoting his role in talus in Nightfall and which is a, a very cool show check it out Nightfall but so Mark's out there promoting this and of course people are going to ask him about his career specifically Star Wars what I like about this conversation with Mark Mark gives him a full hour it's on the Awards Shatter podcast Scott Feinberg asks Mark about all aspects of his career: the early days, the auditions, the soap operas, Star Wars. Uh, I dream of sti- Genie, the animated series. I well, I don't know if they talked
3: about that. <laughs> well, there, there there's a couple of uh, of uh, episodes of the Talkin' Tunes podcast. Uh, that you can find and Mark is a guest on that show and (laughs) he goes through his whole career of animation, uh, voiceover animation. And he actually, uh, did a voice on the, on an old Hanna-Barbera animated treatment of I dream of Genie." And, um, anyway, that was one of his first gigs. I mean, that goes back before eight is enough, I believe.
2: Well, they don't talk about that specifically in this interview, but it is a good overview of Mark's career. And Mark does repeat a lot of the similar talking points that we've heard time and time again, because Mark has been so, um, he's been so generous with his time with fans at star Wars celebration, going up there and just basically, Letting it all hang out, and you know with mark it 's a stream of consciousness it 's no bs he's a he 's the real deal. Mark Hamill does not filter his opinions, and this is something that i 've always appreciated as someone who has followed behind the scenes of Star Wars since the very beginning and have I've devoured Mark Hamill interviews over the years. And so the THR Awards Chatter Podcast, uh, Mark appeared there uh, at the beginning of April, and we have some highlights here for you. Um, Check out the whole show at uh, The Hollywood Reporter. But um, what I wanted to focus in was specifically Mark and how he's, he's dealing with, because, of course, he's very outspoken. We all know where Mark Hamill stands on the way Luke Skywalker has been depicted in The Last Jedi. He even spoke about it on the bonus material on The Last Jedi Blu-ray. Very candidly. Very candid from Mark there, and, I mean, and to the credit of Disney
3: and Lucasfilm, they let all of those comments and all of those interview yes. clips uh, hang out right there. So no one was and trying yes. to, to uh, uh,
2: hide it or cover it up. No one ever has. Um, so uh, Mark talks a little bit about how you know. <clears throat> excuse me. Mark talks a little bit about how he's been dealing with the reality
1: of the way his character is being portrayed in the sequel trilogy. Well, it's certainly been challenging. <laughs> and by the way, you know, the, the, everyone talks about the shock of realizing that on Force Awakens, I don't come in into the last page. A bigger shock to me was them killing Han Solo before Luke could ever see his best friend again. Right. I mean, it might be so selfishly motivated, but I said, holy cow. That's a real missed opportunity. Even having the three of us together, even briefly. Right. I pitched Abrams on the idea of, you know, you can still have me come in at the very end, but how about this? How about uh, Leia's trying to contact me t- uh, telepathically? She gets frustrated because there's no answer, so she rushes to the new Death Star. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's three uh, so far. but <laughs> And she almost gets there when she's stopped by two stormtroopers and just about just before she's abducted one stormtrooper turns to the other blows him away pulls off his helmet and says hi sis i'm here to rescue you i said it will blow the roof off the joint i'm still in at the very end and i think it's more effective to have people that really have a history with han solo witness his death and be unable to stop it his wife the mother of his child his best friend Instead of two characters that have known him what twenty minutes, right. but you know they they get the keys to the kingdom, right. and they get to you know they're the deciders. Wow, do you just hear the passion in this voice? Yes, I, I do. mean it's. It <laughs> but th-
3: th- let's break th- down this is what he says. Real, this is real passion, and I love what he says here because uh, I, I have often made the comparison. If you've read William Shatner's book Star Trek Movie Memories, yeah. and there was a. Uh, a, a concept for Star Trek Generations, which was going to be the film that was going to pass the torch. Sound familiar? Yeah. The uh, pass the torch from the original cast to the next generation cast, who had already proven themselves across, you know, uh, seven seasons of a, of a great TV series. This is going to be the passing of the torch. And the original concept art for the film was the classic Enterprise. From the, uh, the 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 films, the the classic films, uh, so the, the NCC one seven zero one A, you know the the more modern version, yeah. uh, facing off, firing photon torpedoes at the NCC one seven zero one D, which was the uh, Enterprise under the command of P- Captain Picard, right. And they had this amazing concept of the two ships firing on each other until so finally the writers came to the uh, Paramount brass and said, "We just can't." figure out a way to do it we can't figure out a way to make it happen we can't figure out a way to make you know the 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 fans happy on both sides and it's like you know what i would say i would say you know what guys you're right you can't so you're fired and i'm gonna hire writers who can so when when you hear mark talk about these ideas and then you hear guys like Uh, I think it was I don't know if it was Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams saying, well, we were really struggling because every time you put uh, every time the script called for Luke Skywalker, he just scooped up all the attention from the other characters and the other actors. And we just couldn't find a way to make it work. It's like, well, you know what? Work harder. And we've got a character that's begging for that kind of... That can
2: command that kind of attention. Well, I thought the balance, it could have been easily executed if you have your big characters from the original trilogy kicking off everything with the sequel trilogy. Now, this is what if, okay? And I'm also violating my rule of analyzing the Star Wars that isn't as opposed to the Star Wars that is. But... We're right in the thick of this thing. I mean, this is happening. This is a now moment. We are dealing in the present. I'm not looking back nostalgically on the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy. I am eyeballing this thing as it's unfolding in front of us right now. And what I had honestly expected of this trilogy was to place our big characters up in the forefront from the very beginning. Luke, Han, Leia, Chewbacca, Lando, R2, 3PO, and Lobot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the Lobot thing's a new addition, but for some reason I just kind of like him tagging along you know I I, kind of dig the idea of a little Lobot action happening you know maybe it's a Sheldon Norton he kind of reminds me of Sheldon again (laughs) I have a soft spot I collect (laughs) action figures that look like Sheldon and I want characters in Star Wars can we get can we please get can we get
3: Sheldon to commit
2: to some Lobot cosplay at the next celebration can we make that happen here's a true story at the Disney parks, when they were doing the hyperspace hoopla, actors from the Clone Wars and Rebels were there and everything. It was a big whoop-de-doo. It was such a big whoop-de-doo that Kathleen Kennedy herself attended a Star Wars Weekends event when she first was put in the position of control of the Star Wars brand. And she saw DJ Lobot on stage, spinning tunes. And uh, that was the end of DJ Lobot. She pulled the plug on that, and then the next thing to go was Hyperspace Hoopla, and all of it. That was all to protect the integrity of the characters. She didn't want them being lampooned as they were going to launch a new Star Wars trilogy. Same thing with Star Wars Detours, shelved, because... Nobody wanted to see Darth Vader being presented as this buffoon as they're relaunching Star Wars. I think that, um, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, wow, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think we'll ever see Star Wars detours? I think absolutely yes. But after this sequel trilogy is said and done with this December... And uh, I'm really looking forward to this December. I'm looking forward to the entire thing coming to an end. And uh, I think greener pastures are ahead of us without all the expectation, without all the fan pressure, without all the fans who know more than the filmmakers and all that stuff. I I really think the whole thing needs to be blown up if Star Wars is to survive. Yeah. I mean, Mark does in that last quote, he
3: does bring up a a good point. Um, Clearly, having chewbacca there to witness the death of han solo as a character is a is a big moment it's a yes. huge moment and 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 it's in chewie's roar that all the fans of yes. of 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 han solo kind of cried out in that moment but what mark was saying is why not have the character of han solo surrounded by those who knew and loved him best and um Going back to Star Trek, the reason I brought that up is because also um, once they got into writing the, the film that we actually saw with Star Trek Generations, uh, you, you'll, you'll notice that in the movie, the finished film, it is uh, Chekhov and Scotty that witnessed the death of Kirk or what they perceived to be the death of Kirk in that moment. In the original script, it was supposed to be Nimoy and DeForest Kelly. Hello. You know, Spock and McCoy, those who knew and loved Kirk best. But of course, the tightwads at Paramount couldn't uh, bear the idea of uh, giving uh, Leonard Nimoy his, uh, or DeForest Kelly the money they wanted for just a quick, you know, cameo. So of course, they sacrificed the character, the legacy of the character. For um, you know, a, a, you know, of a, a few hundred thousand dollars or whatever and, it had been at the time,
2: and I mean, yeah, it, it it's like at the time, right? The last thing you said at the time, but no one appreciates the legacy of the characters going forward, like the future legacy. Yeah, you know, you you, you have to be careful with all of that, and I cut these studios a little bit of slack because. The age of the big franchise on a studio scale, I think, is still rather new. George owned Star Wars, he controlled it all. And that's why it stagnated ultimately. And if it was to survive, he had to sell it. So now we're dealing with this new reality, you know, the new normal, hmm. where a big corporation owns Star Wars. And it's not a singular vision anymore. But yet it's based on a singular vision, essentially. Right. Essentially. I know there's so many names that can be given huge gratitudes for their contributions to Star Wars, but still, George Lucas is in all ways, shapes, and forms the token. He yes. is the, the yeah, Frank. He L- is. Ba- He's the Frank Albom. you know. Yep. He is the Mark Twain. He he is the Mark frickin' Twain. When it comes to Star Wars. Yep. Samuel L. Clements Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) I love the mustache. Yes. And 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 who
3: was it that JJ had to appeal to in order to wrap this saga up? It was George Lucas. The George. Who was it that as 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 news more news is breaking about the Mandalorian and what role George Lucas actually had in helping to develop that series. We're not talking about a set visit. We're hearing information that points to actual collaboration. Yeah. Long-term collaboration between George Lucas and John
2: Favreau. I was there at the, the Four Seasons series. Hotel in 2009 for an evening with George Lucas to benefit the Gene Siskel Film Foundation And George was there, and Favreau was there. And I talked to them both. I hung with them both. I literally hung with them both. And Melody. It was amazing that security did not drag me out of this place, but there I was. Well, they were preoccupied with those other Star Wars podcasters that were there that night. Uh, None. (laughs) No, I was there with Dean Richards from WGN. Legendary Chicago journalist, um, Hosea Sanders from ABC7 Chicago, Bill Zwecker from the Chicago Sun-Times. I could run down the whole thing like it happened yesterday because I remember it like it was yesterday because I was there with George freaking Lucas. And it was one of the coolest experiences I ever had as a Star Wars podcaster. And I made many connections on that day. And I'm very grateful for all of them that I made. But the most fulfilling experience for me was to spend all of this time in this room with George. And just watch how he kind of navigates people who throw themselves at him. Who act very professionally around him. And family members like Melody. You know, I was seeing the full gamut of Lucas. You read all this stuff about George and you have all these assumptions about the man, but when you're actually able to be there with him for an extended period of time, it was about 90 minutes. We were in this little room together before they opened up the ballroom doors and all these people came upon George, like these predators in the night, stalking their prey. And I was standing right next to the man. I'll never forget this moment. I was standing right next to George Lucas and he kind of, like, his shoulders sort of sunk a little bit, and he deflated for a second. And I swear I heard an audible... Oh. <laughs> As the doors opened, <laughs> and they came upon him. And I saw it from his perspective, too, which was really interesting, because I was standing shoulder to shoulder with the man. And they came upon him like cords in the night. It was like Night of the Living Dead. It was like The Walking Dead. Here they go... Bah! And they, they're all holding out stuff at him, you know, and pens and stuff. You're and George Lucas. He graciously signed everything that was put in front of him. And he was signing away. And I, I'm standing next to him. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went off over my head. I was like, holy crap. I better get George Lucas' autograph. So I turned around and on the table... There was a program for the evening, you know, um, that they put together with all the sponsors in there. And I just sort of, you know, slid it in there as he was just sort of, I mean, his hand was kind of just moving in the air in the shape of his signature. So you would kind of place whatever you wanted him to sign. He hoped you timed it right, you know. And um, Now, that that would
3: be good fodder for the Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel since we're... Talking nostalgically about that whole uh, moment in time. Maybe we could get that up there uh, because yeah, I, know, I, I remember yes. what a great moment that was because we, I knew you were going there and I knew that there was a possibility that you were going to get a chance to get the man on mic. And uh, that was a huge deal when I got that text from you that it, it indeed had happened.
2: Yeah. It was had happened. I, yeah, it I, was... I, I have to say, I mean, you asked me if any other podcasters were there. It really was the all-stars of Chicago and national media there. Mm. But, I mean, it was a small group. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly local because of Melody Hobson's ties to the city of Chicago. And, of course, George and Melody maintain a residence here, and they're very tightly connected with elements of the Chicago community.
3: Now, if memory serves, Jim, don't you hold the distinction of being the first to actually capture Melody Hobson on
2: microphone talking about Star Wars? Yeah. Steve Sansweet told me that I'm the only person who ever actually talked to Melody Hobson about Star Wars. And it was just a brief little thing after, because it was a line of people. It was George, and then it was Melody, and then it was John Favreau. And so I'll put these interviews up on the Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel. There's almost something that, Embarrasses me a little bit about it because I was obviously super nervous uh, going into this thing. Uh, there were a lot of questions I wanted to ask George Lucas, but I I didn't want to cross any sort of line, any kind of boundaries with him. And I had a sense that those boundaries were there, <laughs> and, and um, and you know, I just was you know fanboy, fanboy. No on one blames you. The I, press no line. one blames you Listen, for that. Listen, and before I did this, I've been on many press lines, okay? I've been to the Oscars. I've been to comedy relief and done one-on-one with guys like robin williams Whoopi goldberg and uh billy crystal you know those guys i hung out on the rooftop at radio city music hall i was there at the billboard music awards i was there at the mtv music awards and i hung out in the red hot chili peppers trailer hey you know what after I've been the on, show I've but, but the, this uh, moment this moment I've been on the
3: rooftop of radio out. city music hall yeah, but you didn't do what time. I did up there. Well, definitely not. not. No, I'm there with Broadway people. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not there was, with the, with the red up hot there. chili peppers. <laughs> and so, listen. <laughs> I'm up there with jazz hands and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hello. and box steps. <laughs>
2: but, you know, I've, I've had a lot of red carpet experiences in my life due to my radio career and my broadcasting career, but nothing was like that moment when I was with George Lucas at the Four Seasons in downtown Chicago ah, on that you're, press you're, line.
3: You're an eight-year-old
2: kid all of a sudden again. I mean, of course you are. This is like sitting on Santa's lap for you. This is my a son's, huge moment. I, the, the, right before I, I, I got in the car to go downtown, I went to my son's Little League baseball game, and there was a kid on the team, and they were all cheering for him. I mean, this kid was a superstar Little League player, so everyone was yelling his name constantly. His name was Lucas. Oh, my. Lucas, Lucas. They're all chanting this, and I'm like getting ready to go to this event to potentially be on the press line with George Lucas. The first time I'm ever going to talk. And the only time really that I talk one-on-one with George Lucas. And I have that thought in the back of my mind and all during the little league game, the parents are all yelling, Lucas, 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 Lucas. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going nuts here. The pressure is on. The pressure is on, so um, <laughs> that was so. I'm gonna put that. Uh, yeah, I'll put the uh, so evening with George Lucas. The the, up on the, the the chemistry between Favreau
3: and George Lucas was uh, goes all the way back to then.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, and I'm sure and before was, then, but you know, we we did not know of John Favreau's involvement with Star Wars The Clone Wars and voicing Pre Vizsla. We did not know that. That was not public knowledge at the time of that event. And and it was really a great banquet. I mean, there were all these Star Wars-themed drinks, which I helped myself to in abundance. And um, we had some technical difficulties. So only I only have half of... The um, Q&A that Favreau did with George right after the dinner was served. And, I mean, it was like red carpet Chicago. All of the luminaries were there, media, film, and they were all there watching this Q&A with Favreau and George Lucas talking to George about his career. Yeah, I'll I'll put up what I have on YouTube. I talked to George, I talked to Melody, and I talked to Favreau himself. I, I guess the time is now, uh, a good time. We should, we it. should. But we, we have a couple more Mark
3: Hamill clips before we sign off here. Uh, this, uh, again, this goes back to The Hollywood Reporter, the, the, the podcast. Uh, Scott Feinberg is the host. And um, here Mark is talking about um, the relief that he felt when he looks back and at least got a moment on camera with uh, Carrie Fisher in The Last Jedi.
1: At least I had that one scene with Carrie. We we never reunited, all, all of us together. But, uh, you know, I played it because I knew Luke was going to die, so it would be the last time I saw her. And it took on such a different meaning after the real-life events that it just throws me out of the movie. I haven't really been able to process that the way I should. And it's hard because you go out, when I did... The press for *The Last Jedi*. Obviously, everyone wants to talk about it, mm-hmm. so you find yourself endlessly mm-hmm. grieving in, in public, and it's it's just hard, and uh, it's you know it's still so sad. Mm-hmm. She had impeccable timing, except in this case, because you know Harrison was more prominent in seven, I was more prominent in eight, she was meant to be more prominent in nine, but you know.
2: Let you know.
3: Well, we we knew that, and and that was the, you know that we mm. we heard that in uh, right after seven was uh, released. Some of the the leaks and likely some of these were on purpose leaks that said, oh, fear not, um, seven is Harrison's movie, eight is Mark's movie, and nine will be Carrie's movie. And once Carrie passed away, we walked into Last Jedi. Our subsequent viewings of the Last Jedi were just hmm. much, much different because yeah. Yeah. Uh, we thought, "Wait a minute! This throws the whole thing off track." Are you still going through th- th- through with this? You're still going to kill off Luke Skywalker, knowing that your ace in the hole for Episode Nine is not going to be
2: there. Wow! What a crazy thing that we're dealing with here. I mean, and it doesn't get talked about too often. But the impact of Carrie Fisher's death and the black cloud it, it has put over this entire sequel trilogy, to me as a fan, emotionally. Yeah. Somebody like Carrie Fisher is a, a name that I have had in the bright lights of my life since 1977. And yeah. I worship her. I worship Carrie so much. And, and you know, the emotional impact of her loss is something that uh, I continue to feel quite honestly, a question that I'm going to ask right now, which I never have before. And I've never even thought about until this very moment is does Carrie's unfortunate passing put that black cloud over the sequel trilogy in general? Is that something that maybe original trilogy generation fans feel or, uh, the extended generation. I, I, I don't know if that impact is being well, felt on new fans. Sequel trilogy generation fans. I don't know. I don't know. Really yeah. the only people I can ask are my my sons, sixteen and twenty. Yeah. They're they're fresh on the scene. I imagine over the next five years we're gonna be hearing from podcasters who grew up strictly with the sequel trilogy. And their perspective might be very eye-opening.
3: Yeah, uh, it's true. Uh, It's true. I I think that I I would have probably, if I'd have been uh, part of the creative team, uh, I would have probably made uh, bigger changes as a result of Carrie's uh, passing. If the arc of these films was to give uh, each of the, the main trio sort of their, their moment in the sun, knowing that the, um, the third sunrise, so to speak, was not going to happen. Uh, I would have changed the second one. Uh, I really would have, it would have been quite easy actually to change the ending of the second uh, of episode eight. Um, that would then allow, uh, Luke's character, uh, Mark's character of Luke to continue on, in, uh, in a major way into that, that, that third film. I think you still, you know, none of this, none of this is an attempt to um, diminish the new characters. You know, I, w- one of the things that really frustrates me is in all of this talk about The Last Jedi, nobody wants to remember the fact that Finn, Ray and Poe were absolutely adored after the release of The Force Awakens, we walked away from that film saying, Give us more. What, what's going on with Ray? Who are Ray's parents? What's going on with Finn? What do what, what, you, know, you think he'll fight Phasma again? Is, is, is Finn going to desert uh, again? What, what's going on with him and, and Poe? He's the new Han Solo. We can't wait to see more from him. Everybody was excited about those new characters. It, it often gets played as though it's a, it's a one or the other, and there was plenty of love for the new characters, as well as idolation for the original characters at the same time. So, um, okay. We've heard from the original generation. Now let's uh, switch gears here. We've got, uh, John Boyega, part of the new generation of star Wars, uh, talking to Josh Horowitz over at MTV. And, uh, Josh was there, uh, in the press gaggle at star Wars celebration. And, uh, John was on mic with Josh Horowitz, Jim, uh, what kind of perspective is he uh, bringing to this? This is right after the the big panel for uh, episode nine, the trailer, yes. the fans, and everybody's yes. excited.
2: John's excited. What does he have to say? The Star Wars team ups is what we all kind of love so much. We love the chemistry between the characters, and it's undeniable that Boyega, John Boyega's Finn, had a lot of chemistry with Daisy Ridley's Ray. In Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and that was kind of lacking in uh, Episode 8, and now with Episode 9 on the horizon, we're wondering, who is Finn going to be teamed up with in this episode? What I've been looking forward to is getting the big three of the sequel trilogy together, which is something we haven't really seen yet. So, thankfully, John Boyega does confirm we'll probably be getting those moments. A lot of it is 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 Finn,
1: Poe, and Ray and Janna all going through this big massive adventure. Yeah. Myself and Oscar have been dying for the audience to experience what we're actually like in real life, but our chemistry and you only
3: got to see a bit of that in seven. In nine, oh, it's all over. It's
1: great. <laughs> the it's
3: fan is going to be no, reborn. Honestly, it's like the 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 bros. Like it's such a bro moment. there's <laughs> so many bro moments, and I love it.
2: Yes, bro moments, bromance moments, bromance. Yes, that's what we got going on right here. So I, I'm very encouraged by what I'm hearing because a big part of what made Star Wars work for me was the chemistry. It was the chemistry with Han, Luke, and Leia with those actors, Mark Harrison and Carrie. It was in the prequel trilogy. It was Ewan, Natalie, and of course Hayden there was a chemistry there. I like that. I want to see that being replicated in the sequel trilogy, but we haven't had that opportunity yet because you haven't had the big three together. And the big three of the sequel trilogy clearly is Finn, Poe and Ray. Give us those big adventure moments. I think we're going to get it in episode nine. I think it's going to mean a lot. And, What's interesting is that John Boyega said something in that uh, soundbite we just heard, which could actually be applied in a Rebel Force radio promo. (laughs) So many bro moments, and I love it. (laughs) Yes, Yes, there are. Yes, there are. But, you know, I mean, that's uh, something that ties the chemistry of Star Wars together, are those uh, moments that are really... They really found their foundation in friendship. And that's what I get from Han, Luke, and Leia. And I do get that from Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan. But I really want to see it now from Finn, Poe, and Ray. And I think we're going to get it in Episode 9. Boyega talks a little bit about... Uh, I think this is a telling moment he has here with uh, Josh Horowitz from MTV News. And Josh, we've acknowledged Josh over the years on this show... As someone who is inserted into a lot of these press line situations with the added advantage of being a diehard Star Wars fan. I don't know nothing about Josh Horowitz. I've never met him. We've never talked to him on the show. But he comes off as someone who is very well schooled in... Star Wars, and so I always appreciate his sound bites because he cuts right to the chase. And so he asked John Boyega about his future in Star Wars. You're ever going to play this character again? I mean, if you're a heart of hearts, would you be okay
3: with that? Honestly, the bottom of my heart, I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I feel like it's. I really do feel that way. I'm going to cry. I I, I, honestly, (laughs) no, seriously, like, I just. This really is that movie. I think everyone don't, doesn't believe it, but this is that war that just ends everything. So I'm just like, wow. you know. Does it answer all the questions you think the fans want answered? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, 100%. 100%.
2: Wow, 100% answers the questions, and this really is that movie that ends the war. Jason, are, the you, star re- war. are you reading between the lines here with John Boyega's response to... The question about his future is Finn. I mean, it sounds like he's saying, look, this is the
3: end. And uh, maybe his character, maybe it's not about this is
2: the end of the Star Wars, but this is the end of Finn. Yeah, the end of Finn. Right there. Right there. You just summed it up right there. The end of Finn. I think just hearing that John Boyega statement, hearing the tone of his voice. I believe that Finn is going to come to an end in Episode 9. I really do. I don't know how that uh, rolls with uh, all of you uh, Finn bots out there. Is that what they call themselves, Finn bots? I don't know what they are, but all I know is that uh, in French, another, how you say, the end is Finn. Ah! This is the Finn, my only friend of the Finn. <laughs> so, uh, there
3: you go. <laughs> right, there's not a better place to end it,
2: right there. I guess that's it. <laughs> this is the Finn.
3: All right. All right. I'm going to save you the time. Don't send the emails about, yeah, this is so negative. It's not about being negative. It's about offering commentary about where we are. Jim, you said it so well. You said, look, this isn't about looking back. This is about commenting on what's here, what's now, what's unfolding in front of us. Right. Rarely do you have the opportunity to know that you're living in historic times and being able to offer real commentary.
2: Once we see episode nine, me and Jason might be eating our own words, or we might be saying, see, see. But it doesn't matter. We're in this moment right now. And this is the moment where we should be speculating like crazy. And we should be jumping to conclusions, drawing assumptions, only to be on board with all the twists and turns that happen on December 20th. Hey, your local multiplex. I'm signed up for that. I hope you're signed up for that too. And I look forward to talking about it until we get there. And then, you know, after it happens, when it happens, and for years after. I mean, this stuff is meant to be analyzed. We're still talking about the 1977 film release, for crying out loud. We'll never stop talking about Star Wars. We'll never stop analyzing it, and we'll never stop having fun with it. So, jump on board.
3: For sure. Jump on board, and uh, we'd love to have you as a member of our Patreon supporters. You can get RFR all access only via Patreon support, and you'll never miss an episode of bonus content like RFR Rush Hour, Rewind, Q&A. It's all there. Plus, giveaways, early access to RFR events when they happen. Like, I don't know, maybe a uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker extravaganza
2: Ooh. coming to a
3: city near you, perhaps.
2: Wow, we haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah, <laughs> that, But I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. also a big, big, big thanks to all of you that support us there on Patreon already. Uh, Really appreciate it. Also, special thanks to our sponsors this week, our good friends at Audible. You can uh, check it all out there at audible.com forward slash RFR. Also, the email address, uh, show at rebelforceradio.com and the voicemail line 708-320-1RFR. And you can find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter, though you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah, be cautious on Twitter. The official website, RebelForceRadio.com. A great place to uh, catch up on all things and everything, Rebel Force Radio, including uh, past episodes. All the archives are there. Plus, we uh, got that photo gallery. Celebration Chicago through the eyes of Rebel Force Radio. That's available for you there at RebelForceRadio.com and as well as uh, some merch. Got some great quality t-shirts, hats, mugs, you name it. We got it over there. Say it loud, say it proud. Your support of Rebel Force Radio. Also, iTunes. If you're looking for a place to subscribe and review your favorite podcasts like Rebel Force Radio, iTunes is the place. Just one rule on those reviews, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming online just about everywhere, including WGNplus.com. Wow. Heritage Radio Station in Chicago. What an honor. What a privilege. Also on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just about anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there. And if we're not there, add us. You can do that. Rebel Force Radio. We'll see you next time. What a great, great, exciting adventure it was this week. Digesting the good, the bad, the ugly. But it's all Star Wars. And like I said, we are living through Star Wars history right here, right now. And you couldn't find a better place to observe it than Rebel Force Radio. Appreciate it so much. We'll see you next time for Rebel Force Radio. I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember.
2: Remember. will be with you. Always need remember. There it is. <laughs>
3: There's <laughs> so many bro moments and I love it. There it is.